This episode deals with the inappropriateness of racial invectives and contains coarse racial slurs. Viewer discretion is advised. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Nerd! Hey, what happened? Doing an adequate job. Talk nerdy to me. No plugs! No plugs! No plugs for lavender! Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. We should thank our lucky stars. They're still putting on a program of this caliber after so many years. The countdown will begin this Sunday afternoon at 1, right here on the radio station you grew up with. Music Radio 138. Oh, fuck. Oh, I get it. I get jokes. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Jesus, well, isn't it the last hour? We got another hour to do? Yes, I thought we were almost finished. Good golly, Miss Molly. What are you looking at, nerd? And the Lord said, let there be crap. Cleansing your ears with a verbal enema. Talk nerdy to me. of all things geeky movies comic books movies based on comic books video games toys tv shows pro wrestling all the things you got made fun of for in high school so grab your action figures bag aboard those comics and roll for initiative it's time to talk nerdy to me we are back after a slight mechanical malfunction at the junction last week, we had some technical issues uh, preventing us from going a little live, but we're back on this uh, glorious Wednesday night. It is May the 23rd, 2023th. I don't really know how you do that one. Uh, 23rd? 23rd. Sure. 23rd. Uh, all new episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We're back. We're all together-ish, sort of. This is going to be a slightly... Because, um, you know, we get to continue our game, so it's going to sound a little bit different. Can I... Can I cue it? Oh, do, do you want... Hit it, Rockefeller! Oh, hold on, hold on, I gotta go. Oh, back. sorry, sorry. Right, I'll, I'll tell you when. I'll tell you when to load okay, up. Okay, okay, okay. Let me find the J's. Okay, go ahead. So we're almost all here, yeah. but we're missing one key ingredient. Mm-hmm. And to tell you more about that, hit it, Rockefeller. Yeah. This is the best. Well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. I love it. Every week. Julian. San Diego. Can we ever figure out where the fuck this place is at? Tell me where can she be? I don't know where no, he is. No, we did not. But he's a sticky-fingered felcher wherever he is. <laughs> he is. He's he's been uh, like he messaged me on Instagram From today. Um, so wherever he is, he's got internet access because he just needed to tell me that the XFL shop was open (laughs) (laughs) and you can buy XFL branded t-shirts as of today. So it was important for you to know that. Yeah. That, well, so yeah, like I, I, I went on to Instagram. I don't go onto Instagram that much anymore, but he, I, I noticed that there was a little one in my direct message. So I loaded up and it was just like, uh, the message 
is hold on what did he write with it because he wrote something real funny with it um and yeah he wrote yeah he sent me a, a screenshot of the xfl that instagram post gear up the xfl kicks off in 2020 but you can show your support now and buy official xfl merchandise so he wrote that like he sent me that and then underneath it he just wrote fuck yes <laughs> and that was 1202 this morning so wherever he is he does have internet access and access to Instagram and the official XFL merchandise shop. Don't worry, they have tank tops. I'm <laughs> possibly on their site right now. Of course you are. I, I, I kind of want to wait, though, until they officially announce teams because I want to support a team. I don't want to just buy the generic XFL. I mean, I do, but I would uh, also like no, to No, there, there's one you definitely want because it looks dead on like the DX logo. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to want that. All right, anyway, all-new episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. Uh, as you've already heard, to my left, the most creatively named man in all of podcasting. Uh, until the DNA results come back and we hear from Maury Povich, he is still not the father. He is Koran. That baby don't look like me. No, it doesn't. Just does not. Doesn't have the hair. The hair. The hair's all wrong. Nothing has the hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a fact. It's a Wookiee. To my right, he is the master of the rundown. I, I, I'm going to still call you that, even though we've changed how we do. Um, how we, we've changed how we do the rundown. I'm going to still call you that anyway. I'll take it. It's, uh, you know, it's all good. And I'm going to go on record as to say, far and away, the best beard on this show, Obi John oh. Kenobi. Oh, hello there. And, you know, you heard the song earlier. We play this game. We don't know where Julian is. Julian is on special assignment. He's making hell great again, which I have an update about that, by the way. Hi, Apple. <laughs> uh, just stop and say, hi, Apple. How's it going? Um, every joining week. us this week. Every we, single week. Yeah, we're going to keep doing it every single week so because we want to appease Satan. Uh, every week I, we're bringing in a new guest host. We're bringing in somebody different uh you know to kind of fill in the gap of julian not being here bring us back up to a four-person podcast unless we don't feel like it uh last week we had a close personal friend of the show gary morgenstein yes yes yeah got it right this time who was so nice oh a super nice guy um he joined us uh by the way if you have not checked out his book uh a mound over hell buy it now it's available everywhere books are sold but this week we're bringing back an old favorite beaming in from the uss i don't know any of those ships he is commander <laughs> scott <laughs> gentlemen how's it going there well, are, you, are you sure you're on the right show none of us are gentlemen yes yes you are in my book and in my heart oh. you are all gentlemen you have very low standards. I do. This is very true. I, I won't dispute that at all. Greetings and felicitations, sir. <laughs> Greetings and videos, everybody. <laughs> if I may, before we get started, I would like to to thank all of your listeners who actually voted for me in your poll that you yeah you all put out. All four of you. Thank because, you. Because that, here's the thing. Hey, here's, it made me happy. You know, sometimes, sometimes we do things that you don't know that they're actually planting the seeds for something else. And 
late last year we had a survey that was about the show, like things you liked, things you didn't like. Uh, for funsies, uh, we had you rank your uh, preference of host, uh, which I thought was great. And we also asked which guest hosts you liked, and that was some of that went into who we asked back this time. So it's almost time to have another survey, but uh, we got some questions we got to finalize before we can release what it to was, the public. What was our write-in comment about that? Uh, Koran sucks. Eh. Written by Julian. He admitted that. <laughs> Um, I still have the like I I still have don't the, care. I screenshotted all of the answers so that uh, I would have them forever, <laughs> and uh, I'll need to go back and look at whatever they are. Should uh, frame us, but yeah. Um, so Commander Scott, welcome back. Thank uh, you, thank you. Don't don't thank our listeners, by the way. Uh, they they don't need any more encouragement. Hey, I need all the people I can get who like me. That's fair. Oh, sorry, I just stole your line, Colin. <laughs> But uh, that's yeah, become so, the show's line at this point. Yeah, I think it has as well. I used um, it like three times last week. I also want to, um, uh, before we really get going into our topics, I want to give another shout out for Conapalooza. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the stuff that they've been adding lately on their uh, Facebook page. They've been adding a bunch of vehicles, like famous movie and television vehicles. Nice. And there's going to be some really fun stuff. In addition to us, in addition to Talk Nerdy to Me, because, you know, we are the draw. Like, we are obviously the draw. We bring the ruckus. Yeah, we're, we're going to be uh, doing our live, as we're calling it, the Las Vegas-style show. And so we're going to be doing all kinds of fun stuff. But they've been adding, uh, I saw... They added um, the Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo, which is pretty awesome. Uh, they added, I'm pulling up the page. Right now, let's see what they've added recently. Because there's one yeah. that I'm pretty sure that I saw, uh, but I don't want to say it if I'm wrong. Is there a full Julian away from Velma. Yeah. Um, is, it, is there a full-size Enterprise? I don't think so, but there well. is something that you will be interested in. Oh. Because they are trying to set a world record... <coughs> A, an, an officially recognized, they have a number from the Guinness Book of World Records people. And it is the most Ghostbusters assembled in a single place. Alright. I'm jiggy with it. So, uh, there it is. No, no, there it is. No. There it is. <laughs> no. so, He's bringing uh, it back. Uh, why, I am. though? <laughs> why, though? So, uh, in addition to that, uh, there's also uh, Ernie Hudson will be there. And we'll be there, and I think that's all you really need to know is we're going to be there. Um, Us, Ernie Hudson, and the Mystery Machine. What more do you want, yeah, people? Like what else could you possibly need? So it's a good time in Vegas, right there. In historic downtown Kingsport, Tennessee, it's going to be great. Tickets are available now. Here's the best part. You know how much a weekend pass is going to set you back? Eleven hundred dollars. No, not even close. One dollar bomb. Higher. Fifteen hundred dollars. No, not even twenty-five. Close. Twenty-five. I'm gonna go seventy-five euro. Thirty dollars for a Shit. weekend pass if you buy nice. them now before you get uh, to the door. At the door they're gonna be forty. If you buy them now they're gonna be thirty. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Gets you all. It's all inclusive. 
Uh, you can't find a better deal than that for all the stuff they've got. So that's, that's a lot of entertainment. Yeah. $3. And then here's the best part is they've got uh, like the, there's the show. There's like the con floor stuff and that goes throughout the day. And then afterwards they have all the extra stuff. Like they've got a lip sync battle and they've got uh, talk dirty to me doing a Las Vegas style show. And so they've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, in there, what they call the late night programming, and that's where it's like all bets are off, and it's like it, it's it's the the it's not as family friendly Can, as the rest of the convention. All bets and Julian's pants are yeah, off. Yeah, off. So yeah, it's going to be a great time. If that is coming up in October, wasn't and, the only rule they gave us it can't be illegal? Yeah, yeah. I did they just said it, it can't be illegal? <laughs> and other than that. So October 12th through the 14th at the Meadowview Convention Center in historic downtown Kingsport, Tennessee. Just going to say that their show, the, the floor space, 55,000 square feet of toys, comics, games, celebrities, us, all that stuff. So we're going to have uh, some stuff that we're going to be doing that's going to be special stuff that's uh, only for... The show attendees, we're going to have some stuff that's going to be streaming only for Patreon supporters, Uh, but we're going to get more into that a little bit later on as it gets a little closer. Uh, We're going to get through the summer first, but that's coming up. Keep that on your radar. Going to be a fun time. Hell yeah. And also, uh, I want to personally, I know, Scott, you thanked our listeners for bringing you back. Uh, I want to send a personal thank you to every single Patreon supporter who has supported us for more than one show. So, all of you, you are the reason that we're here, and you are my favorite. Each one of you are great people, not those bastards that stop after (laughs) one episode. So, So, now now that that derailed that train... Let's get to Let's our see topic. what you did there. You see what I did, so, see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Subtle, man. Oh, man, I should have played the I Get Jokes sound there. Appropriately, our first topic yeah. has to do with best opening scenes of a movie. Ooh. Wait, it wasn't just movies. Yeah, because I've got... Sorry, some... best opening scene from a thing. <laughs> from a thing. <laughs> from a thing. Best actually, opening scenes from the thing. It's gonna be a very specific topic. <laughs> I actually don't dog. have a single I don't have a single movie on my list. Well good for you. That is a that is a short topic. We're literally just talking about and it's only John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, yeah, specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's none of the others. So I've got uh, a game and then I've got a couple movies. I've got a game as well, and I'm wondering if we have the same one. I don't know. If you know me, then you probably know what game I'm going to pick. I, I I do. So that's what makes me think, oh, wait. No. I, we probably went with games from the same company, though. Uh, that's a very real possibility. Who would like to start so us I'm out? I'm going to kick this off. Yeah! Kick it off. Uh, Give us this a good movie has, has not only ah. a great opening scene, but a great opening scene that directly leads into what I consider to be the best opening credit scene or segment, whatever, in history. Uh, I'm talking about Watchmen, which mm-hmm. kicks things off with yeah. the death of the comedian, a knockdown drag out, holy shit, did they just do that fight scene, which then directly leads into, seriously, 
the greatest opening credit montage ever put on cinema. Uh, That completely condenses and delivers the entire background information of this universe. Uh, Also includes something we'll talk about later, an amazing Easter egg. Um, Mm -hmm. All in the span of less than five minutes. It is fantastic. Um, Say what you will about this movie. Scott Snyder knew how to start this movie with the bang. Solid choice. Yeah, really, very, really good choice. It's very good choice. Not something that came to mind, but as soon as you said it, I was like, "God, he's he's fucking right." Uh, I'm saving that soundbite, by the way. <laughs> oh, Ron, yeah, saying we're I'm just right, gonna yeah. clip that and save that for the. Uh, we're gonna cue that up. So every time you make a point, we're just gonna hit that. All right, I'm gonna go with my weird one first. Okay, okay. it's the first scene of a pilot episode of a TV show. And I really think it sets the um, it really sets the character well for, you know, the the main focus of the show. And it's outside of a convenience store and you just hear um, Jason Lee's voice start to talk. And he's like, you know, the kind of guy who and then goes on to this long spiel as he proceeds to go into this uh, convenience store and basically play the scratch off and win one hundred thousand dollars and then proceeds to get hit by a car. It really sets the tone for the show. My name is Earl. And it's uh, like, to me, you're hard pressed to find a way to like get your premise, get your setup and get everything done. in that like two minute span while he's just overarching, talking about what's going on. Two two seconds. Yes. Who's giving a voiceover? Jason Lee. There you go. That's what I said. That's what he said. He said muse. No, I heard Lee. That, that, yeah, that's, I, I, I heard Jason Hughes. <laughs> Maybe you just wanted to hear Jason Yeah, I think Mewes. you just wanted to. You, you heard you convenience store Mewes. and immediately went clerks. I know. <laughs> you have Jason Muse on the brain. I actually had forgotten I'll, I'll about that. Check the tape. I, I had actually forgotten about that, that opening uh, scene of My Name is Earl. It's been a while since I've watched it, but uh, I, I like that pick. That it does a, a very good job opening that series. Thank you. Very true. All right. Who's going next, gentlemen? I'll go next. I'll go next. I'll go with um, my video game first. Is there a better video game opening? I'm going to pitch this to you. Side of a mountain, train, Nolan exactly North. Exactly what I thought you were doing. Yeah. I'm talking about the opening for Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, where literally the game starts you dangling off a uh, a train car like dangling off the side of a mountain the most incredible opening to a game that's already really cinematic to begin with but you groggily wake up on this train realizing that you're hanging over the edge of a mountain insane sets the tone for the entire opening sequence for the entire opening half hour of the game uh, incredibly tension filled it's and I'm going to get to this in a minute. It is um, a very Indiana Jones-ish kind of opening. I love it. Love foreshadowing. Yeah, that's what we call foreshadowing, kids. <laughs> that's me. That's me poorly quoting Obi John because I don't remember what we were talking about. But there was at some point we were watching something, and this was in college. Oh, Obi John says that kids is what they call foreshadowing or something like that. And every single time I've quoted that, I've managed to butcher the quote even more. 
So I'm I'm sorry, Obi John. I try and quote you, and I always mess it up. That's okay. I always There's nothing wrong with paraphrasing. Yeah. I guess that means I make it my own. I don't know. So yeah, Uncharted 2, my only video game on the list, but I I literally cannot think of a video game that has a better opening than Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. That will also not be the only time you hear Uncharted 2 Among Thieves said <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> also, foreshadowing, kids. <laughs> that pick was just nothing but foreshadowing the entire time. Uh, Scott Cox, what you got? Well, my first pick um, is from uh, an, an older movie. Uh, it does not have a lot of action in the movie, but, uh, you know, seeing this movie for the first time, I was 10 years old, I think. Um, it's It starts out, you know, it's just black screen with this, 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 I don't know, grabbing uh, musical overtone uh, that's very low key. And it plops up some words on the screen and then... You go into a, a, a sunrise backlit uh, uh, U.S. naval crew on the deck of an aircraft carrier, and from the from the left hand side of the screen, you have an F-14 Tomcat comes on in in launch position, and we 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 go through that whole thing into the 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 afterburners kicking up and the catapult launching the Tomcat. And we go into Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. Yes. And, of course, we're talking about Top Gun. And like I said, it's, it's, it's not a lot of action. But in 1986, this was stuff that we had never seen on screen before. And it's really just it – just, it just grabs you and pull you in. And then from that point on, the entire focus of the movie for every guy seeing it is, when's he fucking getting back in the plane? Because I don't care about any of the rest of this shit. <laughs> So, but that was my, my, one of my first picks when I thought about opening scenes was that, that great opening scene from Top Gun. That's a great pick and a fantastic movie. I thought so. I I love every bit of that. I can hear the music in my head already. Exactly. I watch Top Gun right now. You can. And can we all just agree that if you needed a theme song, in the 80s for a movie you went Kenny Loggins. Oh yeah. Exactly. He was he was the go-to. Yeah, cuz he had Caddyshack, he had uh Footloose and he had Top Gun. Like the trifecta of memorable movie theme songs um in the 80s. That's just it's perfect. Kenny Loggins is the man. Can can we all have a volleyball game sometime this summer where we're just oiled <laughs> up and shirtless? You don't want to see me shirtless. Um, I was say, if you want to, if you if you want to make that like a live stream for everyone who does not support the Patreon, <laughs> you can do that. So like that's your encouragement support us. Support. We're gonna make you watch this. <laughs> yeah, support us, or we play it at random points in the middle of every episode, so you can never escape it. That's just what happens. <laughs> I don't know. All right, John, we're back to you. Well, we're talking about opening scene, and there's one franchise known for amazing opening scenes, uh, and it was very hard to narrow this down to which one. I'm talking about the Bond franchise, and I really wanted to go with GoldenEye because that was my first Bond movie. 
Uh, and as, as amazing as that opening sequence is, I'm actually going to have to give it to... Uh, hold on, where are my notes? Uh, I'm actually going to give it to Goldfinger. So we open on a body of water with a duck floating in it. A very odd-looking, kind of fake-looking duck, which then stops at, I think it's a ladder. You then see the duck float up, and it's it's a duck mounted on a helmet, and there's a scuba diver, and the scuba diver climbs up out of the water, takes off his mask, undoes his zip suit, his yeah, unzips his wetsuit, and underneath <laughs> his wetsuit is a pristine white tuxedo. It's Bond. He comes across a girl, takes a second to throw a line at her because he's Bond, and sees reflected in her eye, because that's a thing you can do if you're Bond, uh, an assassin with a knife as he turns just in time to kill him and then throws out a quip. Positively shocking. Cut to theme music, Bond. Like, it's everything that is Bond in, in like two minutes before the title even comes up on the screen. Uh, there, you can you can argue there are maybe some some you know more fantastic opening scenes, uh, some more action oriented ones, but uh, that one for me is pretty quintessential Bond. Nice. Uh, to the to the point that Schwarzenegger and James Cameron uh, homaged it for True Lies. Yes, did, I, did I, I love quotes? I love that opening. Mm-hmm. Use air quotes when you said homage. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> they homaged it. Yeah. They homage. Nice way of saying we stole it. Yeah, that's how that happens. We stole it with mad respect, yo. <laughs> All right. It's a thing. So Flanagan uh, definitely hit the nail on the head with the Uncharted one. And I think my pick is going to solidify it in the fact that Naughty Dog knows how to open games. <laughs> yup. Uh, this game sets the tone very quickly and very uh, abruptly at the end of the opening of it to let you know just how far and how depressed you're going to be playing this beautiful, amazing, wonderful game. I really, I'd be hard pressed to think of a better opening in a video game than The Last of Us. Yeah, it's a very strong contender. I mean, yeah. no Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, <laughs> but it's a strong contender. I haven't played Uncharted 2, so... <laughs> oh, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, I haven't played it either, I don't We're going to fix that. Well, I've got the Uncharted trilogy, but I... Fix your wagon yeah. good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... It, and, you know, just that... It's a five-year-old game. Can I, can I talk about spoilers now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The you know you you get into the car accident and Joel is carrying his daughter, and then you know you you hear just the the end of the soldier who has them cornered. You hear his end of the conversation. He goes, "Well, but she's a child." I understand, sir. And then like he just lifts the gun and starts to fire as Joel turns and runs away. And then like as the daughter like dies in his arms, it's like you know. I, I, I've seen it played through a couple times and like I'd seen it that opening played through a couple times. It's still like the first time I was doing it. I'm like running down the hill. I'm like, I know what's about to happen and I genuinely don't want to do this. Yeah, it's, it's very, uh, heart wrenching and uncomfortable is the, is it maybe not the right word, but it is very emotional. Yeah. It does, man. It tears at your heartstrings. That whole game. Tears oh at your yeah. Heartstrings. Absolutely. Like, Fucking lootly. All the time. Mm, so sad. Can't wait for the second one. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. 
Wait, hard pressed to out depress their own opening though. Uh, <laughs> Last of Us Two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I wish someone would just embrace it and do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for uh, Last of Us Two, bigger and blacker. <laughs> that's all I want. Bigger, blacker, and uncut. Man. Yes, that's all I want, man. That's it. Um, oh, it's my go now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So remember how when we were talking Uncharted 2, I said something about Indiana Jones, blah, 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 whatever I said. I don't remember. Uh-huh. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys heard of this movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark? No. Wait, wait, wait. Was that a prequel to the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? All right. I'm going to go ahead and uh, hang up on him real quick. <laughs> he's he's, he's done. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, why don't you just grab some pine, man? Why don't you, just <laughs> you are. You are one Jupiter ascending reference away from getting out of here. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that that's just out of line. That's your first technical foul. One more, <laughs> and you're out. That's a technical, man. I'm sorry. Yellow card. That's harsh. But you'll thank me for it later. So Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, put all these ingredients, kind of like I did for Uncharted. But we're gonna throw in a giant boulder, a fedora, uh, Alfred Molina. Adios, senor. Um, the, uh, the Declaration of Hating Snakes, uh, and Harrison Ford. And you mix all that together, and you get a pretty damn sweet opening and uh, opening sequence. Sequence very was true. the word I was looking for. Beautiful opening sequence. Uh, very iconic. Like, everybody knows the giant boulder scene. Like, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been parodied a million times before. Everybody knows exactly what it is. Uh, when it's that iconic, you know you're doing something right. Naughty Dog even parodied it. Right? Um, (laughs) I mean, it's been parodied to death, and everybody immediately knows exactly what it is because it's so iconic, it's so perfect. Everything about it was just top-notch. Sorry, go ahead. There you go. I was going to say, it always makes me sad when I see that opening because that's the only time in the entire franchise we get to see Jacques. I, yeah. I, I want to see more Jacques. I, I always wanted to see you see him use Jacques again. I wanted to see him come back, but he never did. Yeah, well, and he knows that Indy hates snakes, so. Yeah, but that's just his pet snake, Reggie. <laughs> Why's it gotta be snakes? <laughs> I think that scene is so great because, just like with Bond, it encapsulates all that is that character in one sequence. Like you said, like you learn everything you need to know about Indy in that sequence. Yeah. The hat, just, the fear of snakes, the getting in way over his head, the not really having a plan, the just sort of badassing his way out of it. Like that's it's everything that is indie in one like ten minute scene. It's it's perfect. It's just so perfect. Love every bit of it. Spielberg, you're a genius. That's all. Also mm-hmm. foreshadowing. Every uh, one of mine builds like breadcrumbs on the top of uh, for what's coming next so there's your little reference about what uh, my my third and final and favorite choice of all is did, so. did someone mention spielberg yeah i believe so oh okay. he he did this little movie um it's a it's a love story about a man and his fish it's called jaws you stole my number one pick <laughs> never mind I had an audio cue and no, everything no, no forget it i didn't say it. i'm gonna guess uh no uh so speaking of Steven Spielberg, uh, the Lion King. He has nothing to do with my next pick. <laughs> um, 
Audible. No, so, Audible. <laughs> the opening sequence of, of uh, The Lion King, The Birth of Simba, when all the, the jungle or uh, creatures are, are gathering together at Pride Rock, and you hear that iconic, I'm not going to attempt to recreate it music. Uh, uh, please do, but do it as Topher Grace. Yes! <laughs> yeah, that, that yes. So that was designed as the opening sequence of the movie, and when it was done, the animators were so floored with how amazing it was. That scene, uncut, unaltered, was the trailer for this movie. The the first uh, like teaser trailer for Lion King was just that opening sequence. Um, that's how powerful it was. That's how moving it was. That's how fantastic the animation is, how great the music was. It's like, okay, here's everything awesome about this movie. Bam. Uh, hard to tell. I, I appreciate the fact that you did that as Topher Grace, because that's like ever since <laughs> you told me that story and I looked it up. Uh, first of all, I, I searched forever to find that clip. The best uh, Hollywood story. If, it's great. For those of you who don't know, throw it in your Google machine. Nah, look up um, Topher Grace and his Disney audition. Just go off topic and tell the story. So. Uh, and, and I feel I feel like a criminal because you're the one who introduced it to me, but I'll, I'll tell the story. So he's, you set uh, it up and I'll jump in. How's that? OK, OK. So he's, uh, you know, the 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 holy grail of many actors is to get some sort of Disney part. And so Topher Grace, you know him from uh, as Eddie Brock from Spider-Man three, Spider-Man three. Um, pretty much nothing. Yeah, that's, else. that's what we're that's going what with. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we're going with. <laughs> Spider-Man three. So. Eric Wait, Foreman's but hold on. Show. Yeah, and you one know of him your as Tad favorite Hamilton? movies. Win a date with Tad Hamilton? Yes, yeah, Spider-Man no. 3. He said it. Yeah, yeah. You know what movie I'm talking about. Uh, Take Me Home Tonight. That's yeah. the one. Uh, that's, my, that's my serious uh, pick for him. Or uh, In Good Company. I can go through the Topher Grace filmography if you want, but <laughs> I'll spare everybody the time. So he auditions for this movie, this Disney movie, and as part of it, they make you, uh, they bring you into the sound booth. Because, you know, it's all animation and they, they have you run through the lines and then they say, all right, uh, part of it, you know, all the Disney movies is singing. You got to sing for, for Disney movies. So they say, sing your favorite Disney song. And he thinks for a second. And obi John, what does he come back with? So he can't sing. So his strategy <laughs> is I'll make them laugh and get the job. Yeah. So he belts out. <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> Thinking, oh, they'll laugh. To say, <laughs> they did Topher not. Grace has never been in a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, still my favorite. I love Topher Grace anyway, so hearing that story always just makes me laugh. And it's so weird, too, because they don't make all the voice actors do their own singing anymore. <laughs> like they no. have just like Aladdin, so I don't get why they'd make him sing but that's his response was great i love it yeah to hear him tell the story is amazing it's it's so great because he gets super into it it's hilarious uh, if you could find the video look it up but uh, yeah great so great story we skipped scott commander scott yeah <laughs> I, was, I was just sitting here fiddling with my stuff okay. hey you save that for our after dark podcast. <laughs> 
That and your your uh, your insistence on uh, pushing knobs, twisting knobs. Oh my! Knobs, knobs, and buttons and sliders—they oh beg to be pushed and turned and twisted and and, and slid. Keep going. On. Especially when they have this thing right in the middle that's zero and it just no, stops. No. What's right your there, pick? You know? What's your pick? You're done. Yeah, okay. I, You're I, done. Every Wednesday and Friday, I, I'll send a picture from the radio station. I'll send a Snapchat. <laughs> and sometimes I'll send a picture of the board, you know, like the, just the off board. And Scott, without fail, will always send a, th- a, a snap back, and it would be like him with this longing look on his face, and he just says, I want to push all the buttons and twist all the knobs. I want to twist the knobs. And I'm like, I don't think that the radio station would appreciate you just fiddling with all the knobs and setting everything back to zero. Everything begs to be set to zero, and that's why there's no. a middle ground. It's 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 nominal. It's it's no. Yes. All right. What's your pick? Anyway, so my 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 second pick uh, for this was not so much, and I, I might get called on this. It was not so much an opening scene as it was an opening episode of a whole series. And, and I, I felt, so in all God, honesty, if you say Phantom Menace, an opening episode of a, of a TV series, not not not, okay. a, not a movie okay. series. Thank, no, 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 thank a God, I was about to, I was really about to bench you. No, 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 no. I'm going television here, and, yeah. and it, it was, in my opinion, the best episode of the series, and it was the first episode of the series, discounting the miniseries that piloted, and, and that was the first episode of Battlestar Galactica, sixty six, where you 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 jump in and you have. <clears throat> the the ragtag fugitive fleet of the last of humanity is being doggedly pursued by the Cylons. The, oh, I'm sorry, 33, not 66. I doubled it. Um, and and they 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 do an FTL jump, and they immediately launch combat fighters for a combat air patrol, while the fleet resets their 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 jump coordinates for the next one because. Uh, they reset the clocks to 33 minutes because 33 minutes after they jump in, the Cylons jump in right behind them. So they briefly engage the Cylons. Then the fleet jumps out. The last ship to jump is the Galactica, and they pull the pilots back in combat landings. And this has been going on every 33 minutes for two and a half weeks at the opening of the series. And, and everyone is just on their last nerve. And then finally, uh, after the, the opening sequence of this, we see this happen twice. Um, um, they reset the clocks, and the 33-minute mark stops, and the Cylons don't jump in. The only difference is that after the last jump, one of the ships got left behind because its, its jump drive didn't, didn't activate. And I just thought it was a, a brilliant episode. It was, it was, in my opinion, the best one of the series. So... That's a bold pick, and you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> Even though it's not my topic, so I don't really have any right to say I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Because you know what? You went outside the box, and I respect that. Yeah. I can't be mad at you for that. Thank you. I try. I, be- I believe we go back to Koran now. Yeah. Perhaps final pick? I know I'll, final I've pick. only got one pick left. Final pick. Yeah, I basically just come with three for everything now, I guess. Okay. Uh, um, I went with the, the least surprising thing for anyone who knows me. I went with the the prologue from John Dies at the End. The the whole boring, <laughs> boring. 
boring. I'm Koran. I read books. Look at me. me, me. God. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm ready for me to just make you a little bit upset. You with John dies at the end is like a Roman Reigns spear. <laughs> like that's that. Like that is your Roman Reigns spear. Like the spear to Roman Reigns is John dies at the end to you. Wow. Fair. <laughs> Fair. I understood that reference. <laughs> yes. John actually got a wrestling reference. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I love it. This is a great show already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh. Coron. I read books before they become movies. Look at me. Me, me. <laughs> I'm Googling this book now. I don't know anything about this book. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, as I've said about the other two things, it really sets the tone for the... Uh, the universe they set the book in, your main character, and just the over-the-top level of strange but humorous stuff they do in the entire, I guess, book trilogy. So, yeah, there's my pick. It is one of those just kind of drop you in without really explaining what's... Yeah, and I mean, you, yeah. you've seen the movie, and the, it's literally that same opening thing about yeah. the, the axe, so... No, it's a good pick. I'm now downloading the ebook. Just saying. So you know. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, of course. Um, oh, is it my pick now? Yeah. Do I have time uh, to take a uh, a really quick break? Uh, I just need to take a second. Uh, me. Sure, I'll and... throw honorable mention well, to. Uh, no, well, I don't know. Well, I, was, oh, well, I was gonna say once well, again, bagpipes are available. I can fill time. I I, uh, yes. I, 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 th- this is just a bit. Like this is just a joke. I don't really need a break. Uh oh. Oh. And why did everybody sound so disappointed? <laughs> I was ready to back you up, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, well, really, I, the only reason I need a break is because me and my main squeeze, Chrissy Watkins, uh, we're going to run down to the beach real quick. And nothing bad will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing have, bad. Have you been drinking tonight? Nothing bad, right? Is, is good. Wait. Uh oh. Do you guys hear that sound? What sound? God is playing the tuba. Uh oh. Um, something bad might be happening. So this this is the opening to airplane. It is. Yeah, it's the opening to airplane. I thought it was 1941. <laughs> this is the opening to my uh, my favorite movie, Lethal Weapon. <laughs> we had loaded weapon. Uh, of course, of course, I'm talking about 1975 Jaws, uh, the POV underwater shot that then leads to the senseless murder of a young girl that was absolutely no boating accident no matter what that medical report is say, will say if if you listen to the mayor who has a suit made out of little boys pillowcases the best suit ever i know right uh i want you to know that i've been i've been scouring for that material to make that suit God, uh, just for a cosplay it's very hard to find. They have some that are dark blue, but you need the, the powder, like the, the really yeah. light blue. Uh, but, of course, it's Jaws. Uh, I mean, what else can you say? First of all, the movie is just iconic. It's fantastic. It is still one of my top three movies of all time. The opening scene, like, the opening scene as a child made me afraid to go into our above-ground pool. <laughs> so that will tell you how much it traumatized me and how it still impacts me to this day. You never be too careful, uh, man. No, I, I remember 
being just afraid to go. It was the middle of summer, one of the five days in Maine where actually going into the pool made sense. (laughs) And I didn't want to go because uh, Jaws was on TV and I was afraid that they we had a pool shark. (laughs) And I still stand by that slightly irrational fear. But yeah, just seeing that alone terrified me as a kid and it stuck with me well into my late 20s it was scary man it's fair it's fair that sequence is yeah no it's 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 shocking especially when you're a kid it's it's without showing a lot of like gore yeah it's a very violent scene and uh it's uh on the my future topic lists uh it's i also have um favorite musical moments from media whether it be games like favorite um and that theme song there's a there's a great video that is uh john williams and he's orchestrating he's he's conducting the boston pops and he he plays the like he conducts the jaws theme and the best part about it is the very first guy does the very first and everybody just like busts out like they know it they two notes they know it they know exactly what it is because it's so iconic and it adds so much to that scene. It's awesome. It's a great video if you can find it. He also plays the uh, Jurassic Park theme, which is pretty cool. Um, well, they do. He conducts. But uh, it's, at, it's at a point in his life where he looks like John Hammond. Um, <laughs> and he's conducting the orchestra playing the Jurassic Park theme, which is hilarious. But, yeah, Jaws, far and away, number one, my favorite opening to any movie I've ever seen ever. It's a great first kill. It, it catches you off guard and you're like, cause at first you kind of have no idea what's going on. Cause you're just like underwater. And then, you know, there's that weird campfire with all those dirty hippies and they go for a swim and he passes out. She checks out and it's over. Honorable mention in the Jaws series. I'll go ahead and say it to Jaws the Revenge for the shark ripping off the uh, Brody kid's arm. Yeah, that's like the inverse of the first Jaws movie. It's like, let's throw all the blood we didn't use in Jaws 1 and Jaws 4. It's pretty graphic. Like, it's pretty pretty intense. Yeah. um, Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, Jaws. Love the opening. Love everything about it. Like, the first six minutes of that movie is just stupid good. It's unfair how good that opening six minutes is. Are you all going to be upset with me if I say I've never actually seen this movie beginning to end? That's Cause, strike two. Because if you are, I won't say it. That is strike just, two? Just, I haven't <sighs> said it yet. I was, I, was, I was making an inquiry. Hell's wrong with you, Scott. There, there, are, there, are, there are teams of people working on that very question right now. All right, go ahead. You need to work faster. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, my last pick, or my top pick, I should say, not my last because I've got like seven here. I didn't know how many we needed to prep, but my top pick for for movies with 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 opening sequences was, and I, I know this is going to shock you, but uh, I, I am a Star Trek fan. Just just so everybody knows what? Uh, yeah, I am. Commander I, Scott, I, what? I, I like Star Trek. I do. 
Um, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I, I try not to put it out there too much. Uh, and I keep it very low-key, but I do like Star Trek. And so for opening sequences, though, Star Trek 2009, the J.J. Abrams reboot, that entire opening sequence was just beautiful. I saw this movie nine times in theaters because of Jesus this. Christ. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You do know that Star Trek is the one that doesn't have the, the light swords, right? Yes. I am aware of this you fact. Know, you know that Star Trek is not the one with the giant Harry Koron looking guy, right? Yes. And the little robots. That yes. Go, I, 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 as much as I love Harry and the Hendersons. Um, uh, John <laughs> was a national treasure. Shit. No, Star Trek 2009, <laughs> the, the opening sequence, you've got, you've got the, you know, the, it starts out with it granted a little bit restylized, uh, but, but the, the, the duotronic sensor sound from the original series enterprise, which almost sounds like a sonar ping. Uh, and just that, that initial sound just, just grabs you, especially if, if, if you're a Trekkie and you, you like Trek when, when you do that, and then it, you have this beautiful panoramic shot of the USS Kelvin come across its backlit, of course, by the, the, the only, the star in the system that they're in. And, um, and then you start getting radio chatter, uh, and everything else like that. And, uh, um, you, you've got the science officer of the Kelvin is talking to Starfleet Command, and he's talking about, uh, uh, we sent you sensor data. And he says, it looks like a lightning storm in space. And uh, um, Starfleet Command responds, uh, says, uh, Kelvin, uh, what you sent us doesn't make sense. And he said, yes, ma'am, I understand. That's why we sent it. And, and then we go to a massive ship coming in through this, this, this lightning storm you know, rip in space-time. Uh, and immediately being attacked, uh, and 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 it's just the ordnance ripping through the shields, and you've got you've got pieces and debris of the ship flying off into space. And at one point, there's there's a, there's a hull breach, and not only is a crewman blown out of the ship, which is the correct term for an, an explosion of vacuum, um, but the body bounces off the phaser array. Um, and 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 you 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 go through this this whole fight and you know the evacuation of the ship, and the ship is destroyed and and, and the crew evacuates and it's just a, a brilliant opening. I just loved it. It's action packed and it was, it was just great. Like you buried the lead, where you get to watch Captain Thor, fight Elf Hulk. In <laughs> this is very true. You do get to see Captain Thor fight Elf Hulk. Um. But the, 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 that whole opening sequence, like I said, I saw it nine times in theaters just because of this opening sequence. Uh, like like two days after I see it, I would be thinking about it. I'm like, damn, I want to see that again. I just that's a it. solid choice, and I'm mad at you for thinking it before me because that ah, that's so that's a really the reason they made their budget back. Yes, <laughs> I am. Like you and only you. <laughs> But if you haven't seen it and you're not a Star Trek fan, you know I, I would I would recommend seeing it. Just just that opening sequence is just great. Good deal, Obi John, take us home. I'm good. Uh, yeah, John went all three times because we oh. skipped Scott. Oh. oh yeah, we did skip Scott. Never mind then. Scott, you took us home. Thank you. You're welcome. That was fun. We're gonna need to do a a, a revisit of that soon because that was really fun. Yeah, I got an idea already. For how to re- how to revisit that, but not just do the whole thing over again. Okay. In the meantime, That's why you're the idea guy? Okay, sorry, I was writing down notes while I'm talking. Okay. <clears throat> so with that, 
Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know what our next switch. Uh, I know what I have Segway. written down next, but I don't know what you guys want to do next. Wait, is something good? Uh, so let's do okay. Um, sometimes in a movie, there's a little thing just kind of hidden in the background, right? A shot somewhere, oh. and it's it's a uh, it's a little, uh, little uh, what do you call that? It's a little hidden uh, little hidden gem. Hidden gem. Yeah, for fans to uh, to notice. Uh, Easter egg. That's what it is. Oh. So let's talk about our favorite Easter eggs. Uh, not just in movies, but in anything. Um, of course, when I say Easter egg, I literally mean something hidden in the background that doesn't draw attention to itself. There is a difference between a reference and an Easter egg, kids. Yeah. But what do you guys got? <clears throat> Or am I supposed to Let's rant? see how many times we can get Obi John to yell about reference versus. Was <laughs> well, so supposed That's to rant this topic before or after Koran went? Uh, we'll Let's, go right after Koran. Okay. Lead us off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the 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 first thing I'm going to go with is uh, Nick Fury's tombstone. And and uh, Winter Soldier. It's uh, you know. You, you don't think of it at first because it, it kind of fits the character, but it says Colonel Nicholas J. Fury, the path of the righteous man, Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Mm. Nice. Where does Ezekiel twenty five seventeen sound familiar from? Oh, oh yeah. It's oh. also what Jules says in Pulp Fiction, both played by Sam Jackson. And uh, yeah, it was just a great nod. I thought. Yeah, that was good. It was good. That is a good one. And, yeah. and one of the, I guess, lesser known of the Marvel MCU uh, Easter eggs. I like well, it. I like it a lot. It's a rare Marvel Easter egg that isn't an Easter egg for something else in the Marvel. Very true. Like they don't reference stuff or, or, yeah, outside of their own universe a whole lot. Good. Pick. Who's next? Thank you. You want to just keep going in the same order we did before? Except not, we won't skip Scott this time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so I'll go next. Uh, at the time, it was a really huge deal for me uh, until they actually ruined it by bringing by by making it happen. But uh, if you if you do recall, if you haven't wiped the movie Predator Two out of your brain, out of your brain, love it. Awesome. If you if you go to the very end, yes. the Predator Two, the Predator my Trophy list, case. I don't even care. Yes. Yeah. The the Xenomorph skull in the Predator Trophy case at the end of Predator Two. Um, that was one of those. There's no way that that's what that was. Hold on. Rewind. What? Oh my gosh. I wonder if that means. Wait. Wait. wait I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. There's no way that's what that was. Oh my God! There's no way that. That's what that uh, oh my God! There's no way that that could be what I what I think it is. Um, going back and 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 you know looking at it, making sure that that's what that was, thinking well maybe that means they're gonna do Alien vs Predator. Then they did Alien vs Predator, and I kind of oh, like more. a decade and a half later. Yeah, yeah, yeah it took them a yeah, while to get to that. How, how cool is that? That like you know it, it's one of those blink and you'll miss it, but really cool little touches. And supposedly it came about just because they were looking for stuff to put on the trophy wall and they were both made by Fox and they're like, hey, we've got this alien head. So they spray painted it white and put it up on the wall. Oh. I never never heard that, the, the story behind it. Yeah. I liked it. 
Yeah, and it's one of those, it was I think like the first Alien vs Predator book or comic had come out, but it wasn't like a huge thing yet. So yeah, that was a pretty big deal at the time because it was the first like in canon movie reference to the two being in the same universe. It wasn't it wasn't long after Predator Two that the first uh, the first game came out, was it? Something I can't remember what it was. If you look at the timeline, I did it a long time ago when we did uh, like toy lines that never got a cartoon show. Um, the Alien vs Predator like as a brand existed like a year before that movie came out. I can't remember if it was a video game or a novel or a comic or there was there was something of Alien vs Predator that existed about a year before Predator Two came out. Yeah, I don't think it was the game because uh, I, I remember playing the the the, the computer game. Uh, the first one, and I loved it. Um, and I, it, it was after; it was definitely after Predator Two. I don't remember how long. Yeah, after. it was. It was shortly after Predator Two that the, the whole avalanche of the Alien vs Predator stuff just launched. But yeah, yeah. Because I always thought it started with that scene in that movie, but apparently it, it's predated a little bit. Yeah, good choice, man. It was. Okay, so I guess guess it's my turn now. To yep. go for Easter eggs. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to start off with my only Marvel one, my only Marvel pick. Okie dokie. Uh, we may we 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 may uh, set John off here because I, I don't know if it constitutes an Easter egg or a reference because it's definitely front and center. But for those who didn't read the comics, especially the older comics, they may not realize that it was a comic thing. It was a, it was, was something that I've been looking forward to in the MCU since Avengers. And we finally got it in Spider-Man homecoming. And that was damage control. Ah, Spider-Man homecoming. Great movie. Loved that. I, I, I giggled. It was a giggle moment for me when they actually mentioned that they were damage control, because I, I read the comics back in the day. I, I loved damage control. Uh, I remember there was a, there was a, uh, an issue in Punisher where he went to the damage control offices in New York and it was following, it was on the heels of a large battle between the X-Men and Juggernaut in, uh, in uh, uh, I think uncanny X-Men at the time. And literally he walks into the, to, to the office and he's, you know, of course, Punisher bristling with guns and everything like that. And no one is paying attention to him. And the, uh, cause they're so busy, you know, trying to get fielding calls and everything from the, the Juggernaut fight that, uh, uh, he walks up to the secretary's, the receptionist's desk, and, uh, and 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 she doesn't even look at him. She's just literally on the phone. Damage control, please hold. Damage control, please hold. Please hold. Damage control, thank you for calling. Please hold. Over and over, and it was just a great comic. But I was very happy to see it finally show up in the MCU. Didn't Flanagan pitch a digital show like a year before the movie came out? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, like, I remember, like, freaking out when i was in theaters and i saw it because i was like i I had no idea because i always thought a a great show would be like the blue collar guys that have to and girls uh who have to clean up after a big superhero fight and i didn't even know that damage control was like a thing yeah and then because i said how cool would it be to just have like the people like bitching about 
um, you know, we're the real heroes because we don't, you know, like we clean up the mess so that you can get to work on time and this and that. And like while they're out knocking each other into buildings and knocking crap into the street so you can't get anywhere, we're the ones that come in after it and clean all that crap up and repair all the buildings and stuff. You know, where's our parade? Where's our movie and this and that? And like it's a show. And so every episode arc is like after one of the movies and it's like some big fight that has happened and they have to go in and clean it up. And then the movie starts and it's like homecoming starts and it's, it's that. And I just, I, I lost my shit. I was like, this is what I wanted to see. Give me a whole movie of this. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yep. It was awesome. Yeah. If you go back to our archives, uh, at some point I pitch a, uh, damage control TV show. I would watch Damage Control. I'd watch Damage Control all day long. I love, I love, I love the comic when it was when it when it was around in the eighties. But yeah, I'd watch it. And it's like it centers on like, you know, this new guy who's just got hired, and he's like he thinks he's gonna meet all these superheroes, and really he just like comes in after the fact, and he's all pissed off. It was a great he hates pitch. it because he's like, when do I get to meet Iron Man? And they're like, you're never gonna meet Iron Man. When am I going to get to meet Spider-Man? <laughs> Never. Never. All right, John, what you got? Uh, so mine's a bit different. It's not a movie or a video game or a comic book. Uh, mine's a theme park reference. Easter egg. Sorry, sorry. I almost caught myself. <laughs> um, so okay. years ago at Universal Studios Orlando, there was Jaws the Ride, which was the greatest thing in the history of the universe. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm so pissed off. I never got to see it. Never got to ride on it. So next time we're over, I'll dig out the old family VHS tape of us torturing my sister on that ride. You, yes. You'll get the whole family at Universal experience. <laughs> um, sadly, yeah, it, it was plagued with uh, um, maintenance issues from the get go. So it was one of those rides that we always knew at some point was going to get phased out. It's just it was too too much for the upkeep. Uh, and like everything in Universal, they've got to keep things timely and updated. So five years ago, um, roughly, that might be wrong, uh, they closed Jaws and demolished that entire area to make way for an expansion of the Harry Potter Wizarding World universe. Uh, the Diagon Alley at Universal Studios was built over top of where Jaws the Ride formerly sat. Uh, I was very upset by this. Um but Diagon Alley is freaking awesome, so that kind of helped the blow. Um, but I was I was there on our honeymoon, and I ran into one of the the workers at Diagon Alley uh, who broke the fourth wall a little bit and let me in on uh, uh, a few Easter eggs all around Diagon Alley, specifically there to pay tribute to Jaws. So if yeah. you're if you're on the the Muggle side of Diagon Alley, there's a record shop. And out uh, in in the display window is uh, bow leg swimming with bow legged women by the five quints. <laughs> if you go inside, I forget the name of it. The uh, the dark uh, wizard shop uh, in in Diagon Alley, there is a giant oversized set of shark jaws from the queue of the old Jaws uh, ride. Mm. Uh, uh. If you go around that same corner, so all around Diagon Alley and all around the Harry Potter world, there are, are trigger spots where if you buy a magic wand, it's got a little uh, uh, chip in it. And if you do the motions correctly in certain spots, it'll make stuff happen like you're casting a spell. 
Uh, one of those is if you cast a certain spell, you can make a display window full of shrunken heads sing a song. If you do that enough times, I don't know what the random uh, uh, like shuffle is, but one of those, uh, they will start singing, show me the way to go home from hmm. Jaws. And finally, and this is one that isn't published, and 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 he let like these you know these you can look up online and, and and confirm. There's one that I can't confirm, but he told me, and I just want to choose to believe it. Uh, the main attraction at Diagon Alley is um, Escape from Gringotts, where you walk into Gringotts Bank. There's a giant dragon on the roof that blows fire. Um, right outside the bank is this giant um, statue of a goblin standing on a huge hoard of gold. According to this guy. Buried underneath that hoard of gold is the head of Bruce. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I can't confirm that, but I choose to believe it. Uh, so those are my favorite Easter eggs. Uh, all around Diagon Alley, there are Easter eggs to what formerly occupied that area, which was Jaws the Ride. Two things about that. Uh, yes. Number one, uh, Show uh, Me the Way to Go Home, also featured in uh, blockbuster Michael Myers versus the Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, uh, also featured uh, number two our mission now is to get somebody who knows whether that's a true story or not so we can we can determine fact or fiction see if it's, if it's not true I don't want to know <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to get somebody on who uh, who knows for sure and we're going to get Jonathan Frakes on and then so <laughs> he's going to go Frakes. Well, because he hosted that Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction oh, show, shit. There you go. and he'll be like, he'll be like, is it fact or is it fiction? Is it something our writers just made up? And then they're <laughs> gonna tell us, and then it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be the best. So we'll get somebody who knows, and then Jonathan Frakes on at the same time. It'll be perfect. Or okay. uh, the guy who hosted the first season of Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction, James Brolin. Look it up. It's awesome. All of those episodes are available on Amazon Prime right now, by the way. Hashtag ad. Go ahead. <laughs> Koan, okay. what's your next pick? My next pick is... Ooh, excuse me. Um, is kind of a random one. Oh, sorry that we're keeping you away. Oh, you are. Uh, sorry. No, I, sorry that we're keeping your dumbass away. Boring me to sleep is more like it, but close. Yeah, it's um, your fucking topic, and you can't even stay awake. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> this one's kind of a random one. You, uh, <laughs> I, sorry, I can, sorry, I can, sorry, you I, put me to sleep. I can just go. go. I can go. <laughs> the ball busting is real. Uh, it's a reference to a webcomic and a video game. Uh, it was in Hitman Contracts, so we're getting in the Wayback Machine for this one. And in that, you could unlock a cardboard tube as a weapon if you did a couple certain things on a mission. And that was a reference to the long-forgotten Penny Arcade uh, Cardboard Tube Samurai from, like, God, I think it was, like, 03 or 04. And... The guys who made Penny Arcade didn't even realize it was a uh, Easter egg in the game until someone who worked on the game was like, hey, did you guys like the reference to it? And they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're like, you guys didn't unlock the cardboard tube we put in the game? And they're like, holy shit, you put a cardboard tube in? But yeah, it, like, and it works like an actual sword and everything. So 
Yeah. That's awesome. Cardboard tube samurai, baby. Cardboard tube always gets a thumbs up. <laughs> always. I always like to use them to make holes in my hand. All right, somebody. <laughs> really? Nobody? <laughs> Nobody ever did that? Make a hole in your hand with a cardboard tube? Fine. Moving on. So I went to the horror genre <laughs> for my next pick. <laughs> Um, Jesus. Uh, If you remember the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy tries to stay awake and uh, is watching a trailer for a movie. Does anybody know what that movie is? Scott, I feel like this is in your wheelhouse. It's the Feebles. (laughs) No, it is the trailer for Evil Dead. Oh, that's right. All right. For some odd reason, bedroom TV. For some odd reason, I had I had Invasion of the Body Snatchers in my head. But no, no, it was even it was even Evil Dead. You're right. Yeah. That's not where it stops oh. because to return the favor in Evil Dead Two, inside Ash's tool shed, which sounds like a joke already, <laughs> you can find Freddy's glove. So they return the favor, yep. and it's in the hidden in the background. Freddy's glove is inside the tool shed. So it's a full circle reference, which the first one, obviously just a trailer playing on TV, not really an Easter egg because it's obvious right there. But if you're not paying attention in Evil Dead 2, which is the far superior Evil Dead movie (laughs) until Army of Darkness came out, which is the ultimate guy movie, um, Army of Darkness. But in Evil Dead 2, Freddy's glove in the background. There you go. Liked Freddy's glove in that in that movie. The circle of life is complete. It is. Commander Scott. My turn. Okay, so my second pick. My second pick for favorite Easter eggs. Um, Once again, I'm going to shock you. I'm going to go back to Star Trek. No. Because I like me some Trek. Specifically, specifically, I'm going to the new one, Star Trek Discovery. The the new series that was was just out and is getting, getting much... Much love, hate from Trekkies everywhere. And yes, I said Trekkies. Those of you who identify yourself as Trekkers, you can go fuck yourselves. Ooh, hot take. Word. I like it. Yeah, what's a what's the difference between a Trek? I don't even. No, no never mind. No, We're gonna save that for another no. episode because I feel that's like another that's whole discussion. Down the you don't want me to go down that rabbit yeah, hole no. right now. Delusions I've never heard the term Trekkers. So. Literally, never heard the word Trekkers before. Exactly, and and hope you never will again. Yeah, let's hope. So. Um, it's just not. (laughs) So in Star Trek four, the voyage home, uh, at the beginning of it. Yes, I know. That's the one with the whales. whales, And it is, it is is Obi John's least favorite Star Trek movie. And, and he has his reasons and I, I will not tout those reasons because they are valid reasons. But at the beginning of the film, when we are in the 23rd century, uh, we are on Vulcan and Spock is undergoing a memory test basically to confirm the, uh, the retraining of his mind after his Katra is reassembled or re, uh, fused to his body. Um, one of the questions that is asked is, who said logic is the cement of our civilization with which we ascend from chaos using reason as our guide? Sorry, I did look it up. I didn't remember that from memory. The answer is Tiplana Hoth, matron of Vulcan philosophy. And in the first episode of Star Trek Discovery, uh, at the Battle of Binary Stars, 
when the other Starfleet vessels are arriving and they're listing the Starfleet vessels. Um, one of them is the USS Tiplana Hoth. And I just I loved it. I thought it was a, a great callback to to uh, a trek that had gone before Discovery, but technically after. Um, and uh, I thought it was a great reference and a great Easter egg. So that's my second pick. If anyone was questioning why we call the show Talk Nerd to me, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't make okay. us bring out no. Commander Scott. We'll do it. Have you guys ever experienced brain freeze without actually drinking or eating anything? <laughs> About two minutes ago. Because I, yeah, I'm with you. That just happened. Oh wow. I mean, good pick, and you feel obviously very passionate about it. But yeah, it's just not for me. Might change your mind. That's a talk nerdy to me callback. I, uh, yes. Trillian down. Oh, man. Whew. Oh, Obi-John, save us. You're our only hope. <laughs> uh, okay, so this will be quick. Um, that guy we talked about earlier with the uh, the hat and the whip, the, the thing against snakes. Yeah. yeah. Nathan Drake. The yeah, doc that guy. as, yeah, the, <laughs> the doc cosplaying as Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and this is something that I, I did not know existed until, you know, the internet and people, you know, I saw a video on it and had to go check my Blu-ray copy to confirm. Um, but if you're watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, <clears throat> the scene, uh, when Indy and, um, uh, John Reese davies are taking the Ark out of, um, the, the Well of Souls, I think it's called. Uh, if you look at all the random hieroglyphs inscrawled on the walls around them if you're an eagle-eyed fan you'll spot two very familiar figures that look very out of place for a tomb built you know in biblical times uh those figures are r2d2 and c3po yeah yep they are the droids you're looking they for. are <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was, uh, that was good you know what i took no, that anyway. was good uh, and they they kept that going um, a little more obvious to spot. But at the beginning of Temple of Doom, the club Indy has the whole opening musical number slash fight slash escape in is called Club Obi Wan. Yeah. Oh, after you? I it presume is, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's our story anyway. <laughs> We're calling it that. That is correct. Yeah. All right, I got one more. I like it. All right. And this is as do actually I. crosses over between two TV shows. And I want you guys to know I had to talk myself out of using the uh, the, the Let's Chips, uh, which just appear in all sorts of shows, but I don't know if that's a reference or just a fake brand that's used in a lot of TV shows. Um, so an entire, episode, uh, an entire episode of Community is based around Abed and Jeff going to dinner together. And on it, uh, the character of Abed tells this story about how, you know, because there's a premise where he's obsessed with the show Cougar Town. And who isn't, uh, though? Who who amongst us isn't obsessed with Cougar Town? I think I've seen eight (laughs) seconds of the entire series while channel surfing. It's a Bill Lawrence classic. Uh, (laughs) Wow. So. Right? From the writer of Scrooge. Yeah. So. You know, at one point in time, he talks about, like, he runs this Cougar Town fan club and blah, blah, blah. The creators reach out to him about going to visit set. 
So at one point, uh, you know, he's while they're shooting and they're like, no, just 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 go be just go be a background character in this in this scene. And, uh, you know, he tells a story about doing, you know, going through the background of the scene and everything. And sure fucking enough, the exact same year when that season of Cougar Town came out, Danny Pudi, the actor that plays Abed, is just a <laughs> background character in an episode. He doesn't have an on air like he doesn't speak on air. He's just sitting at a table next to like Courtney Cox in, or like a table adjacent to Courtney Cox and another one of the main characters. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, that, you know, that, that had to have taken a lot of prep. Yeah. That's awesome. Good like pick. It. Good Thank pick you. because, because Cougar Town. <laughs> uh, I'm going to run through one really quick for Julian. Who's not here. Obviously. But where um, is he? We don't know. Uh, he's somewhere with Instagram access. That's all we know. <laughs> That's all he has. Can't text, yeah, can't do anything else, just Instagram. No. And buy shit from the XFL.com <laughs> store. <laughs> Shop.xfl.com, I guess, or whatever the URL is. I don't even know. So, uh, Julian likes a little movie called uh, Big Trouble in Little China. And uh, if you watch the movie Death Proof, uh, which also has Kurt Russell in it. Um, th- there is a scene where Kurt Russell's shirt from Big Trouble in Little China is hanging on the wall at the bar huh. in Death Proof. And so it's a little homage, a little, uh, little Easter egg for uh, you Kurt Russell fans. I'm sure if Julian was here, he would have picked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure he knows about it because he loves Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. But my pick... My final pick, I just wanted to nudge that one in there real quick, is from a book. And uh, it's a book that I know everybody here who has read it absolutely loves. The movie, I'm assuming we all loved, Ready Player One. Woo! I don't know. I loved it. If you guys... um, There was an Easter egg inside the book. That led readers on uh, onto three challenges, including playing a brand new game, setting a world record for an Atari 2600 game. And by the time you got done, whoever finished all three challenges actually won a vintage DeLorean. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so uh, as part of like it was one of those things where people stumbled onto it in the book. Somebody solved everything, completed all the challenges and won a DeLorean. Very cool, considering the entire book is based on Easter eggs and references. That's pretty awesome. Um, like, really, really cool that they that um, Ernie Klein. I'm going to call him Ernie. Uh, He's a friend of the show. I'm assume I'm assuming that's what his friends call him. So it was either that or Ernesto, and I feel like Ernesto would not be something that he would want to be called. So Ernie Klein included Easter eggs in a book about Easter eggs and gave away a DeLorean. That's badass. That's pretty cool. On something that's that grand of a scale with that cool of a tangible prize at the end has to be my number one for best Easter egg. Yeah, that's pretty fucking rad. Uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. I had, I had not heard that story at all. It's super cool. And, and like by the time most people figured out that Ready Player One was a thing and was actually like a really cool thing and then it was going to become a movie like that had already been done and yeah. it was like long over because yeah. it was right when the book came out. But still super cool to do. 
Wow. I, I don't know if my final pick can even come close. Okay. What do you got? Is it Star Trek? Uh, it is not Star Trek. Oh. It is not a Star Trek reference. This one, this one has a lot of moving parts in it, though. Um, okay. So, so how many of us are familiar with a writer by the name of J. Michael Straczynski? Anybody? Yes. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Jay I've Mike, never Spider-Man. encountered his work anywhere in my life. I've really? Never heard that name. Okay. Yeah, no, he no, writes nowhere. for Spider-Man. He writes for Spider-Man. Well, he did write okay. for Spider-Man. Well. So J. Michael Straczynski back in the 90s wrote uh, a little-known piece of science fiction work called Babylon 5. How many people are familiar with an an Arthur by the name of uh, Peter David? (laughs) I see what you did there, and that made me laugh. (laughs) Peter David. Anybody read anything about Peter David? No? Um, Okay. Peter David is he's, he's a great uh, great writer and he's done all kinds of stuff. Peter David wrote two episodes of Babylon Five. I'm going to talk about one in specific. There's one specifically, uh, season two, episode fourteen. There, all the honor lies. So the the if anyone's not familiar with Babylon Five, the premise of the show is it all takes place on a space station called Babylon Five, uh, and it's the last best hope for peace. Uh, and in season two, it's still under the control of Earth government. Spoiler alert. Um, um, in this episode, there is a gift shop that is that is opened on the station. Okay, uh, where they're, they're, they're hawking all manner of B5 merchandise. Um, and Peter David actually wrote this story arc, this, this subplot. This is just a subplot in the episode uh, as a riff on on how Star Trek had become uh, a money making franchise uh, for all the 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 merchandise that it put out. It was literally he was just poking fun at Star Trek uh, that he wrote on this. Okay, now part of this Easter egg, I'm actually going to. Uh, to to paraphrase some of Peter David's own words, because the entire story can be found on PeterDavid.net. Uh, it's called the Bear Story. In this in this episode, uh, Captain Sheridan uh, learns that there is a a stuffed teddy bear that has like a baseball jersey and stuff, uh, and the 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 name on the back of it is Bear Balon Five. Uh, and it has the initials JS for John Sheridan on it, and he um, he gets upset because he he's, he's, he considers it an insult. Uh, and at the end of the episode, uh, uh, the the episode literally ends with that bear uh, uh, hitting the windshield of a Star Fury uh, because because Sheridan actually launched it out of an airlock. He he dumped it into space. So when Peter David found out that, that he had sold that, that J. J. Michael Straczynski had sold or bought two of his two of his scripts, um, he sent him a he decided to send him a token of his appreciation. It was close to the holidays. So he sent Joe a bear from Vermont Teddy Bears that was dressed in a little baseball jacket and red bear on five and had Joe's initials on the front. JS. Two weeks later, he was on the phone with Joe, uh, and uh, apparently Joe said – and this is where I'm starting to paraphrase from from Peter David's own words here – Joe said in that famous overly formal manner he adopts sometimes, I got your package. 
Ah, the bear, I said chipperly. Did you like him? A frozen moment. I'm not into cute, he said in a voice evocative of Lou Grant informing Mary Richards of his feelings on spunk. Um, of course, call back to the Mary Tyler Moore show. So Joe said, you know, oh, well, sorry, you know, do you want to send him back? He's like, no, no, he's staying here. I'm going to get you back. So in the original script, um, Peter David had had that that storyline wrapping up uh, uh, because a the shop sold a toy gun that uh, had gotten – mistaken by security as a real one and, and Ivanova had the, the shop shut down because of because it posed a safety risk but as uh, Peter David found out when the episode air aired that there was a rewrite in 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 the scene and uh, J. Michael Straczynski had Captain John Sheridan throwing the bear out of the station so Peter David, not being the one to let let anything lie, he was writing uh, for a, uh, a a television series uh, that it didn't get picked up very well. I think it only went one, maybe two seasons. It was called Space Cases. And so the next, oh, that was a Nickelodeon yes, show. Yes, it was. I love that and, show. And in, and in one of that, um, uh, I'm going to say in one of that because I'll be honest, I never actually saw any of Space Cases. But apparently, there is an an, an episode where one of the characters. Uh, finds a stuffed bear floating out in space, and he uh, uh, Peter David had actually gotten the exact same model of bear from uh, 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 from from the uh, uh, from the bear company again, and he has the character find it, and the character apparently says, "Who would throw a perfectly good bear out into space?" Ah. As as a, a, a callback to uh, to J. Michael Straczynski, and apparently they, they they originally they were going to do a whole war with the bear and everything that they wrote, but I think it got dropped and never went beyond those two. But that's my final pick for for Easter eggs. I always liked that story. You included space cases at the win. I thought I was the only one that remembered that show. A plus. Yes. Good, good stuff. And I do oh, have John. A, yep. Oh, no, I was going to say, I do have an honorable mention once we're completely finished with this one. Okay. Um, so call back to the movie with the best opening sequence ever, Watchmen. Yeah. No surprise, in that opening credit montage where they kind of are, explain the alternate history of this universe, there's one specific shot where we see the first night owl um, taking out some thugs and saving some people. And in the background of that shot, plastered on a wall, uh, a brick wall, is a poster that's actually the cover for Detective Comics number 27, which is the first appearance of Batman. That, in and of itself, would be a cool little Easter egg. That night owl character who's very much based on Batman and his introductory shot, there's a poster of Batman behind him, all cool. But if you stop and look at that scene, what's actually happening tells a whole different story. The building they're in is the back door of an opera house. Coming out of the opera house is a very well-dressed couple with their son. And Night Owl is stopping a gunman. So (laughs) what we're actually seeing is in this alternate universe, Night Owl stopping the Waynes from being murdered and preventing Batman from being created. 
which yes. is why that's very nice in that universe yeah, awesome. that, that, that is, is a, a fictional character now. Yeah, that's a great Easter egg. Love that one. It took me a few viewings to watch that. That's why that's the greatest opening sequence ever. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I enjoyed that one. That's all I got. No, A plus. That one's aw- That's awesome. And I think I think that's everybody. I think that's yeah, well. I, I have that. one honorable mention for Easter eggs that I would like to like to just throw out. I'm yeah. not not. It's just real quick. All I have to say is Sam Raimi's 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And that, that, if we're talking Easter eggs, that's got to be mentioned. The original Stan Lee. <laughs> yes. Stanley the car version. <laughs> we really need a picture of Stanley driving that car now. That would be an awesome photo. It can happen, Marvel. Yes. That's all we want. Is to make that happen. So I guess now we're into um, but, our second to last topic. But, mm-hmm. We were always into it's that. It's all about butts. Butts. <laughs> Yes. Um, we can go my topic next. Sure. So, I saw a little movie this weekend. Uh-huh. Deadpool 2. Never heard of it. It's an indie film. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's an indie film. Is that one of those it Canadian movies you watch? That that one Canadian comedian guy, his name I can't think of. It's, it's, it's one of those Canadian movies that I find on page 15 of Recommended for You on Pornhub. Yeah, he, he was in that uh, pizza store tv show yeah, yeah that guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Fillion. yeah. so yeah. Uh, <laughs> which by the way uh he was uh, he's nathan fillion's got a new show coming out on uh abc I'm this fall kind of for, yeah and so he's been doing the rounds on like all of the abc shows and he was on uh he was on an abc show and uh he was playing himself and he was like <laughs> this is nathan fillion you may remember me from Serenity, or and he, uh, he said like for, from Firefly, Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place, or Castle, probably Castle. <laughs> and I laughed because I was like, he referenced Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place, and I guarantee you, ninety-five percent of the world is like, I have no idea what the hell that is. And me, I'm like, I bought the whole set on DVD. He remembers <laughs> it. Yes. Like, it was sad. It was kind of pathetic, my reaction. But that's okay. So I saw Deadpool 2, and I left the theater. And by the but just the only thing I'm going to say about that is best end credit scene ever. But we're not here to talk about Deadpool 2. All it, like, and apparently I'm the, I'm like the only one because I've been telling people I liked it better than the original. And so that got me thinking... Well, what other sequels or second entries into media do I like better than the original? And the only my only qualifications were like TV seasons. You can't say like season two was better than season one because TV like TV shows are a different animal in this topic. Mm -hmm. Like this discussion, totally different. Um, I've got. A couple, and then I've got one that uh, was actually sent in by a fan, by a listener, on our Twitter feed. Oh! Uh, so I've got a, a listener submission, and then I've got a couple of my Well, own. I do believe it's, if we're going in order, I think it's your turn to start. 
Ooh. So I'll, I'll do the audience participation award first. Uh, it was brought to my attention that uh, Major League Two, better than Major League mm. One. And it was because you lose, um, you lose Wesley Snipes, but you gain two equally memorable characters in the sequel, and it's just as funny. And I can, I can agree with that. It's been a long time since I've seen Major League Two. Love Major League. Yeah. Yeah. Major Major League Two. Sleeper I, hit. I will, we don't talk about the third one with Ted McGill, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I want to go back and watch the second one now. But go back, do yourself a favor, go back and watch Major League Two because, uh, and I'll give him a shout out: the Maple Leaf Monster, Seth. My McGill. dude. Yeah. Right. He he made a great point, and he said Major League Two. I like it better than Major League One, and I thought about it for a minute, and he made it's it's a very strong pick. It didn't immediately come to my mind. Very strong pick. Major League 3 is great if you watch it in the mindset that it's a really long episode of Quantum Leap. (laughs) (laughs) Star Scott Bakula. (laughs) Damn good point. Headcanon. Damn good point. Oh, man. All right, Scott. Commander Scott, what you got? My first one is going to be a controversial pick. I'm going to get yelled at for it. But I don't care. Because I like this movie. I like it better than the first one. And that is Pirates of the Caribbean 3. What the fuck? Of this movie. Wow. Yes. That's right, 3. Movie. Is he officially done now? I feel like that is that. Oh, wow. Like that. I'm standing by this when you can't sway me. All right. Love, all right. All right. Defend it. Love Pirates of the Caribbean 3. So, Pirates of the Caribbean, of course. Great movie. Love, love Pirates of the Caribbean 1. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Yeah. Um, but if you if you watch the first three as a trilogy, of course, uh, at least to me, this, this is what I got when I watched them, was that the first one, of course, focuses on Jack Sparrow. The second one focuses a lot more on uh, Orlando Bloom's character. Um, and then the third one um, focuses on – it's supposed to focus on Elizabeth Swan. It's supposed to be her movie. She gets elected a pirate captain. She gets elected the pirate king. But I choose to see it as the Barbosa's movie. I love – Jeffrey Rush in this movie. I love him all the way through it, ever since he even steps down the stairs uh, in the after credit scene from Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Um, I just watch it for Jeffrey Rush. Uh, and uh, that, and then the, the, the whole, the, the two ships dueling, you know, across the maelstrom and everything. Uh, you've got uh, Davy Jones is not the villain in this one. He is uh, a pawn of the, the true villain. And I just love the mythos and the overarching story and mainly Jeffrey Rush. It, it's Barbosa's movie and I love Barbosa. So this is my go-to for pirates. That's my defense. John, go. Oh, the, uh, seriously? <laughs> okay, okay. <clears throat> first of all, John, you're, you're crazy because these these sequence the, the first movie is completely uh, um, Orlando Bloom's movie. Uh, Jack, okay. the reason it's great is because Jack Sparrow is only in it like you know sporadically. He's in the, he's he's the sprinkles on the icing of that that movie. The second movie is all about Jack Sparrow. By the time we get to the third movie, it's nothing but Jack Sparrow. There's a whole goddamn sequence where there's a freaking ship crewed by nothing but twenty five Jack Sparrows, and they're all increasingly stupid. They kill the Kraken off screen, Scott. Off screen. 
Sorry. <clears throat> Blood pressure. <laughs> uh, John, they replace, uh, you, they uh, replace Davy uh, Jones as the villain with a bureaucrat. A bureaucrat. A guy who works for the East India Trading Company is supposed to be more intimidating than Davy Jones? Hey, what, what kind of weapon did you, yeah. did did JV did Davy Jones have that they killed off screen? Oh yeah, a giant fucking kraken. Mm-hmm. Davy Jones, giant squid. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, John, what's your uh, what's your first pick? I want to move past this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I'm gonna go with one just to take off Scott, man. I'm really glad I picked it now. Um, <laughs> So, Star Trek The Motion Pictures is a steaming pile of garbage that almost killed the Star Trek movie franchise before it even got off its feet. Because that movie is slower than 2001 A Space Odyssey. That movie is nothing but glory shots of the Enterprise model. And and literally, you'll be an hour and a half into that movie, and you're like, what's the plot again? What happened? Nothing. Nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. There's a thing in space, and they're going to look at it. Okay, two hours in. What's happening? Nothing. There's a thing in space, and they're going to look at it. <clears throat> so, thankfully, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, saved the entire franchise by being, A, a movie that has a plot, and B, really fucking good. Uh, it gave us an action villain, not just some weird thing in space to go look at. It gave us spaceship battles. Uh, it, made, it gave us better-looking uniforms that had color that weren't all weird fucking white and gray unitard things. Um, it, it it brought humor and, and character back into it. Uh, and it, spoiler alert, uh, killed off one of the main cast in a heroically sacrificial role uh, that's been imitated but never duplicated. Uh, Star Trek II: Rathacon, best Star Trek movie ever made, and and just 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 eclipses the the original. You can't upset me with this pick because it was on my list as well. It's not my extended list. It's not on my short <laughs> list. Uh, Star Trek II definitely is much better than Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Everything you said, one hundred percent true. It is. Uh, arguably the best Star Trek movie ever made. I say arguably because there's a couple others that arguments probably could be made for, but yeah. Everything you said, 100% true. That being said, I still like the motion picture and I prefer the extended cut. Yes, I like even more of the board. More talking. Yes, I know. Yes, more talking, more Enterprise. Who's next? Oh, it's uh, me. It's just not for me. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, the, the, the first thing I'm going with is I feel like it's kind of cheating because it's the first full actual game. The second one was kind of an afterthought that they just kind of stuck on to, uh, extend the, um, the orange box collection. I'm talking about portal two is vastly superior to the original. It's kind of, you know. It takes everything the first one did, grows it, or grows it, uh, expands on it, is the phrase I'm looking for. And just, you know, the entire underground, the entire underground section with J.K. Simmons voicing a progressively crazier <laughs> character as the, as the levels go on is just perfect. I... I think I've played through the game like four times 
and I just downloaded it on Xbox One again recently. So, yeah. Portal 2 is fantastic. Go play it if you haven't. If you have, play it again. I hear there's cake. Yes. That is true. Beautiful pick. J.K. Simmons makes that game, too. Love the J.K. Simmons segments all the way through that game. Yeah. Did you say you like J.K. Simmons? I do like J.K. Simmons. You like J.K. Simmons, yes. I got a pick for you, then. Okay. Of course we know that I'm going to pick a Spider-Man movie. I love Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire for the longest time. I considered it the ultimate perfect Spider-Man movie. And actually, for the longest time, it was my favorite superhero movie until we got Spider-Man Homecoming. But everything about it is just absolutely perfect. And it takes what is a an already solid, good movie in the original and just make it does everything that a sequel should. It takes everything that made the first one good, expands on it, but doesn't do too much, has more of the same, but better, and doesn't go overboard. I agree. Spider-Man 2, literally up until last year, I considered it my favorite superhero movie of all time. I still think it's the best Spider-Man movie ever made. It, it was. It's it's so very it good. is so fucking good. I think I saw Spider-Man two like three times in theaters. Yeah, the fight with Doc Ock on the train. Yes. That alone. Oh, just still holds up. Yeah. Well, not not only the you know I mean the the fight choreography of that fight of the train you know of course Alfred Molina nails Doc Ock, but the fact that a lot of that fight and and a lot of the fights in that were shot widescreen even now we don't get you know wide wire wide, not widescreen but wide shot wide angle um we don't get wide angle superhero fights it's all still close-ups and stuff and 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 i love the wide angle use in in that movie with those fights it was great yeah. what a just start to finish what a perfect movie fantastic picks perfect very good yeah you knew you knew there was. Uh, I could not go an entire episode without talking Spider-Man. I'm glad you brought it up. It's just in my radioactive it's, blood. I can pick it. another one from my list now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, hey, my turn. Don't make me yell at you. I, I hope <laughs> he does it because he I, loves. I, I you, hope but... you're not going to yell at me. Um, the the my next pick. Hold on, let me get a drink of water in case I have to. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, prep. Hydrate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my, I'm ready. My, I'm ready. My, Go my, ahead. My, my next pick for sequel that I liked better than the first one um, is probably going to be someone's. It would be considered a, a popular pick for sequels over over big ones. But the reason I pick it is is probably not the popular reason. And my next pick is The Dark Knight. And the reason I pick it, and the reason I love it, it's my go-to. Batman movie. First of all, I'm not counting the 1966 Adam West Batman movie because that's a that's a, a whole different animal on its own. It's in a category by itself. Fair point. The reason I love The Dark Knight and the reason I go to it, and we're going to start this. We're going to do this list here real quick. We got Batman with Michael Keaton. We got Batman Returns. We've got Batman Forever. We've got yeah. Batman and Robin. And then we get Batman Begins. And finally, we have The Dark Knight 6. 
it takes us six damn Batman movies to get to one that does not tell us his fucking origin. We know who he is. We get it. His parents are dead. He's sad. Move on. <laughs> um, I just want you to know, and I'm going to say this as calmly as possible, that I respectfully disagree because I can't stand the Dark Knight and I would have loved you a lot more had you picked Batman Returns. But that's all I'm going to say. But I didn't like Batman Returns more than Batman. So that it doesn't get hurtful. I just I don't want it to get no, hurtful, so that, I'm that's just going to say That's it. fine. <laughs> and I know everybody always picks the Dark Knight because of Heath Ledger, and I love his performance. He did a great Joker, but we don't get an origin story. And I'm very happy with that. I'm that's gonna, why I go to it. I'm going to agree, but argue. That's fine. I agree. I think it's Dark Knight is is way better than Batman Begins, um, but I think Batman Begins and Dark Knight are essentially one giant movie because Begins yeah. is all about the practicality. Where did he get his training? Where did he get his stuff? How did the Batman kind of be come to be practically? Dark Knight is all the psychology. That the the one scene that makes that whole movie for me is when he's he's sitting. It's right after spoiler for like a ten year old movie. Um, what, after Rachel's died, and he's sitting in the apartment, still in the bat suit because he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Uh, you know, it has that like Hamlet moment where he's staring at the the cowl, um, and he says to Alfred, uh, "I see now what I have to become to stop men like this, meaning the Joker, and I don't know if I can be that." That is what the entirety of of Dark Knight is about. It is still an origin movie. It's just not the nuts and bolts origin. Okay, yeah, fine. I, I, that, that, that's a good point, and everything like that. Um, I, I agree, but I don't have to see his parents getting killed again, and it makes me happy. <laughs> we don't see him die in, in Batman Returns, do we? I think we do. Do we? I think so. I know we do in forever. Okay, anyway. Topic for another show. <laughs> Best <laughs> best murder of the Waynes on film next week. <laughs> it's our top ten list. Uh, whose turn is All it? All right, so uh, Obi Johns. Uh, I believe okay. it's your turn. Uh, I'm gonna get the obvious one out of the way then. Um, it's not only one of the greatest sequels ever made, it's my second favorite movie of all time in history. It's a movie that is a perfect bookend to the original because it doesn't try to replicate what the first one did. Uh, I'm talking about James Cameron's masterpiece Aliens, the sequel to Alien. Uh, I was waiting for you to uh, say that. Let's take the Haunted House in Space film and make it a war movie in space because the first one was perfect. Why the fuck would we try to do that again? Um, That's the genius of Aliens. It doesn't try to replicate what it's not another and aliens on a ship, and we're all dying one by one story. Uh, they they built upon everything that Alien did. They looked at some of the plot holes or gaps in the story, I should say, of Alien and filled those in, introducing the queen and completing the life cycle of the aliens, um, giving them a name, the xenomorphs, uh, introducing the colonial marines, which, you know, where would video games be without the colonial marines? Look at you, Halo and Doom. Uh it's it 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 succeeded on its own, and it it's uh, it's a perfect complement to the original movie without trying to directly duplicate the experience of the first movie. So there you go. Yeah. 
Trying to keep it short. Solid pick, yes. I was, I was waiting for you to you pick that You knew it was one, coming. That one, yeah, like that one had made my, my bigger list, but I was like, I know you're going to pick it, so I'm not even going to waste my time. Allow me to show you how to correctly do... Oh, Speaking of what we, we knew go. was coming. Speaking of what you knew yeah. was coming. The only movie that anyone I know has described as deserving of the Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> the greatest thing ever put to film. The greatest movie of all time. Blade 2. And I'm actually really upset yeah. with myself for not picking the opening. For, for the best opening <laughs> thing. now Because the, the opening of the movie is really badass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I unapologetically, genuinely love this movie. Like, if I Why actually the fuck s- would you apologize for this movie? That's fair. <laughs> if I sat down and actually made a top ten list of my favorite movies, Blade Two is seriously on there. It's it's not a running joke. I genuinely love this movie. Um, you know, the the the, the new characters they bring in, the new uh, enemies they bring in, like. It just expands on. I fucking hate using the word expands, and it's like the fourth time I've done on this show. Uh, it just grows the character, the universe, and everything, and the whole like going to rescue. I want to say Chris Chris Christopherson, Whistler, whatever. yeah, yeah, Whistler going to going to rescue yeah. Whistler's awesome. Um, Scud, you know, Ron Perlman's awesome as one of the the Night Stalkers. I just, I fucking love Blade 2. Yeah. No argument here. I'm unclear about how you <laughs> feel about Blade 2. It's amazing. I'm just going to piggyback. It's, uh, it, the first one had was trying to be like this weird kind of, uh, almost Matrixy kind of movie. Just uh, crazy. Like it took it came out before the Matrix. Yeah. It, it took itself a little too seriously. Uh, the second movie with Guillermo del Toro at the helm just fully dove into the no we're a, we're a comic book movie and we're going to be a comic book movie like yeah. it, everything from the way guns sound when they uh, you know when they're fired uh, to like the, like you said the world of Blade lives in none of it is the real world it's all the world of a comic book character mm-hmm. uh, but it's freaking awesome and the the yeah the uh, what do they call them the the reapers uh, introducing a whole new strain of vampires because the regular runs aren't badass enough to fight blade like it's yeah, it's amazing blade two blade two it starts and stops <laughs> when we do blade that two. I should have known as soon as I pitched this topic as soon as I did I was like I know he's gonna <laughs> when, when we do the the like the I wheel to is. spin a topic can they all just be blade two but we'll put like one that just says blade two and one that says sequels to blade one that aren't blade 50 <laughs> and then one that says uh uh guillermo del toro directed comic book sequels uh, that, even, don't, uh, that don't have hellboy <laughs> the the vampire movie featuring uh ron perlman and wesley snipes like even numbered blade movies <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, Flanagan, what you got? Jeez. All right, I talked about it earlier, but I'm, I'm switching to video games. Uh, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. Not only is it better than Uncharted 1 by light years, and Uncharted 1's a great game, but it gets very re- like there's it gets very repetitive because there's long sequences where you just run from point to point, 
fighting bad guys like you'll just have a shootout and then you'll run to another point where you have a shootout and then you run to another point where you have a shootout and not only is uncharted 2 much better than that and the controls are better and the plot's better and the graphics are better and the set pieces are better it's also better than uncharted 3 and it's got the best opening sequence of any video game i've ever played in my opinion uh the stakes are bigger Everything is just so much better, and it's not until Uncharted 4 where they finally top it, but uh, yeah, Uncharted 2, so much better than the original in every single way. It makes the first one look like a previous generation game in every single way, and it's just, it's a masterpiece, and it is far and away my favorite uh, PlayStation 3 game that I ever played. Nice. And everybody who has access to it, whether it's the a PlayStation 3 with a copy of that game or the Nathan Drake collection on PS4, you owe it to yourself to play the game that reinvigorated the Tomb Raider franchise. Yeah. Because the Tomb Raider franchise stole so much from Uncharted. They did tomb raider better than tomb raider ever could and uh tomb raider stole so much from it because it was just so much better and uh but don't play it if you uh unless you really want to spend your entire uh rest of your life wanting an indiana jones game that plays exactly (laughs) the same yeah because that's basically, you know, I watch is. a lot of uh, YouTube videos, as I, as I talked about on the pre-show, and it's like every time they bring up like best games of the last generation, best opening levels, best blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, one of the dudes on uh, what culture was like, I think he put Uncharted 2 in his like top three favorite games ever. Uh, you know, I I haven't played it, but the Internet sings the praises of this game still. I think what seven, eight years after its release. Yeah, I mean it's it's worth playing just for seeing a game that pushed the PS3 to its max, just with graphics and storytelling and all of the different locations where you travel. It's just it's a ten out of ten game. Without a doubt. I mean, it's 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 a masterpiece. And I remember being so disappointed with Uncharted 3 comparatively because Uncharted 2 was just so good. So I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. For Is it playable on PlayStation 4? Yes, there's a uh, Nathan Drake collection, which is Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 that's mm. remastered. Um, all the graphics are improved. The sounds improved. They took out the online play because the servers don't work for the first three anyway. Um, but yeah, you can play, and I think all of them are now. It's like that set's like twenty bucks new now. You can uh, you can get that. the digital version for even cheaper than that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so. I was gonna it. say it looks like it looks like they're uh, available on Amazon used for twelve dollars right now. Huh. Wow. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, it's 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 interesting because like 
Uncharted 1 was not a bad game, and it's not a bad game. It's a really good game, but Uncharted 2 makes it seem like a bad <laughs> game. Because it's just so much better than everything else. Than everything about Uncharted. And I mean, we, again, we've we've talked about this game company several times on the show. Like, if you look at Naughty Dog's track record, you're talking about the Crash Bandicoot franchise, Jack and Daxter. Uh, then, you know, they moved on to Uncharted and The Last of Us. Like, these guys are literally nothing but a progression of gaming through the past 20 years. Yeah. <clears throat> Honorable shout-out to Mass Effect 2 for all the same reasons you just mentioned. Yeah, it's 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 always awesome when you play, a, uh, like, the first game in a series, and... You like a lot of it, but you're like, I wish they would improve this, this, and this. And then in the second one, they do. And it makes it so much better. Uh, Dead Space did that. Yes. Where the first Dead Space is like, it's fun and it's great. But there's like, you leave it and you're like, man, I wish they would have done this, this, and this. And then it would be perfect. And then the second one comes out and they fix it. Everything that you wanted. And it's perfect. And then the third one comes out and you hate it. It's exactly like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mass Effect 2, yep. yeah. The Mass weird, Effect yeah. One, it's, uh, it's pretty yeah, good. It's two, weird. oh my god, it's a masterpiece. Three, we're going to talk about three. <laughs> three, hey, let's yeah. play two again. <laughs> hey, there's yeah. more DLC for two to so, play. Yeah. <clears throat> Uncharted 2, Among Thieves. Uh, yeah, cannot, cannot recommend it highly enough. Commander Scott, be next All pick. Right. Um, well, my last pick, I, I, I kept, it was, I, I couldn't decide between two different ones because they're just, they're, they're, they're both so good. Uh, and they're both sequels that I like more than, uh, any of the others or even the originals or anything, but I'm going to go with, uh, what has become, uh, I think, universally uh, a, a holiday staple. And I'm going to go with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. God, yes. Um, I, I, yes. I, I pretty much consider it the, the pinnacle of the series. You know, the first one, of course, I love. The first one's great. Second one, other than Eric Idle, I can, I can leave it. Uh, and then the third one, you know, Christmas Vacation, is just spot on. It's hilarious all the way through. It never really gets old. Uh that was that was my third pick. So it's a solid pick. <clears throat> yeah, zero argument here. That's an it, it's it's a a seasonal mm-hmm. staple for millions. I would say. Um, yeah, it's it, I have zero complaints. Yeah, about the, it. the vacation no. series is kind of like the inverse of Star Trek. Like the odd numbered vacation movies were the best ones to watch. <laughs> Yeah. Except for the uh, reboot. I didn't watch the reboot. I did you not don't. see the reboot. I, I didn't know. But uh but yeah, Christmas vacation. Love it. Watch it every year. Oh yeah. Karan, do you want to say it? Yeah, it's it yeah. No, go ahead, man. I'll let you. You 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 love this line. Shitter was full. <laughs> Shitter was full. <laughs> 
Hey, Flanagan, have you checked our shitters? <laughs> oh, it's they're full. They are full. Um, it, it inspired everybody to want to go out and buy a moose yeah. mug. I mean, everybody who's everybody. Oh, shit. Has, There's uh, another Easter egg for you. Has looked up the Marty Moose mug. <clears throat> yeah. All right, John. Sorry, didn't mean to cut oh, someone off. No, that's fine. I, I just popped in. I was going to say, interesting side note, the uh, the, the actress that plays uh, John Shirley, uh, you know, the uh, Clark's boss, the actress that plays his wife in the movie, remember she comes there with the cops? Mm-hmm. She has kissed yeah. me. All right, then. Bragging about stuff. Humble brag. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she does. Because she also plays Admiral Necheyev in Star Trek The Next Generation, so... Uh, look at you always bringing it up. Can I say I'm a Trekkie? I know you love your yeah. All right, John, uh, go ahead. I've just got some honorable mentions. So, so if anyone else has actual picks to throw out. Uh, I have one more. And then actually I had a uh, text in from one of my friends who had to run. Okay, go. Okay. Um, it's honestly, it, it's the swan song for this game company. I think it's still to this day, the best one in the franchise. And, they they proved how to make a good game or a good Halo game without the flood. Uh, Halo Reach is oh yeah far and away the best game in that series. Um, they, it you know beautiful you you know Flanagan talked about pushing the PlayStation Two to its limits. Uh, I think Reach really did that with the 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 Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. I just wish they'd been able to carry that graphic like because you know uh, halo 4 may have looked just a tad bit more polished but halo reach was such a better game um so yeah just that and then i also got a text from my friend brandon saying kingdom hearts 2 is better than the original kingdom hearts and his reasoning was the scope was much bigger the new worlds and the final boss was amazing so yeah, that's that All Disney right. anime game with the key that's a sword, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, okay. Stupid anime. I can't wait for the the next Kingdom Hearts game with all of the Disney characters like the Simpsons and Deadpool, <laughs> and once they buy Fox, oh, like Hank Hill is going to oh, be in the new Kingdom Hearts. Even. I can't wait. <laughs> don't even act like you would not fucking buy that game to play to beat the like, shit out of people with a propane key. Bob from Bob's Burgers is going to be in it. I it's going to be what? awesome. The boy ain't right. <laughs> Alright, John. Uh, yeah, that's you just shotgun us. Oh, so, uh, Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, uh, yep. ditches all the introductory crap, introductory crap of the first movie and gets right to telling an awesome story. Gives us more of Ron Perlman. Uh, just all around better. Um, can't wait for Hellboy 3. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, you know, the first one was supposed to be a Sylvester Stallone movie. Uh, it ended up long, story short, going to Eddie Murphy. The second one was completely crafted around Eddie Murphy, directed by Tony Scott, who also did Top Gun. Callback. Um, just a superior movie to the first one. Better action, better comedy. And, of course, the mother of all sequels from the master of all sequels, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Far better than the first movie. Um, greatest action movie ever made. Fight me. 
And the only reason I'm excited for Avatar 2 is because no one makes a sequel like James Cameron. I hope. <laughs> if you don't believe it, watch Piranha 2 The Spawning. <laughs> a James Cameron classic that's also uh, a sequel. I'm not kidding. We, we were already two hours in. I don't, I don't have time to bitch you on that one right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Just going to say, he, he, whatever. Moving on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. There's a whole bunch of fight. I'm not going to. And then uh, I already mentioned it, but. No, Mass, right? You're showing great Mass Effect 2, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the best Mass Effect game in the series. And I'm a guy who enjoyed Andromeda. So that's all I oh got. My, oh, my gosh. Uh, real other quick mentions to uh, No More Heroes 2 and Red Steel 2 on the Wii. They both took a very kind of bland base for their games and just blew it out of the water for their fucking sequels. Those are both awesome. Sorry, just just yeah, came. All good. All right. Nice. Final like topic it. time. Wieners. Here Final we go. Topic. Buckle Commander up, Commander Scott. Go. Yes. So this one's my topic. It came about also as a result of seeing Deadpool two. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine, and uh, I, oh, I was told. Or he brought up that that he had heard that there was there was talks in the works for a, a new mutants movie, possibly, uh, and I thought to myself, yeah, I would really love to see you know Sam and Paige Guthrie Cannonball, and it's already been shot by the way on screen. Well, yeah, I, it, I didn't, it, I didn't know. It, it's a thing. Okay, I didn't know, but anyway, got to me thinking. I'd really love to see Cannonball and Husk on screen. We've never seen these characters, so that got me thinking. What are characters? that we would like to see in, in a movie or a television show that have not been, you know, realized, uh, as such yet. So, uh, you want me to start off with, with my first pick? Sure. So my first pick is from a book series, um, written by R.A. Salvatore, uh, set in the, the Dungeons and Dragons campaign world of the Forgotten Realms, Faerun, and uh, that is, of course, Driss Duarden, Brunner Battlehammer, Katie Bree, Wolfger, and Regis the Halfling, the Companions of the Hall. Uh, this is, uh, they're into 28 books now, uh, and uh, I, I've, I've been with these characters um, uh, ever since uh, early high school. Um, you know, Driss Duarden, Dark Elf, dual-wielding uh, two scimitars, magical scimitars. Uh, just great characters all around. Even the villains uh, are great in this uh, uh, in this story. And this is one of those stories that if they if if they got a hold with the the the, the right actors and the right writers and the right directors and everything, they could really just just make a, a killing. Uh, on these movies, but it's also one of these these properties that if they do it wrong, they're going to piss off a very solid fan base. Um, so that's my first pick. Scott? Yes? Can I tell you why I love you? Sure, go ahead. I spend <laughs> most of my day being the biggest nerd in the room. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a brag. I mean that as a, 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 I'm a giant nerd. I I laugh at things nobody else gets. I make references to things no one understands. And then I spend five minutes talking to you, <laughs> and it just puts everything back into perspective. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I mean, I'm in awe of you, sir. I aspire to be you someday. I want to be Scott Cox when I grow up. Put that in my. Keep in mind, Scott Cox likes Pirates of the Caribbean 3. I want to be most of Scott Cox. 
<laughs> and, and, and prefers Star Trek the motion picture, <laughs> the extended version. What can I say? So, so keep that with you while you while you say you want to be him. Good, good point. Good point. And that takes us to John. Yeah. Um, I've got two. They're both from video games. Um, the first one, and this is probably because I've been playing the new game a lot lately. Uh, he's fueled by rage and vengeance, powered by the gods. Kratos uh, from the God of War series. Uh, I would love to see whatever production company did the um, Castlevania anime series on Netflix do a God of War series. Uh, the same, you know, R rating with the the gore and the violence and the nudity and the whatnot, um, because that's the only yeah, yeah that's the, the only way God of War can be done. Um, but it is, yeah. I, I love mythology mashup kind of stuff, and that's all God of War is. It's it's Greek mythology, um, completely mashed up and uh, um, run amok and just on you know dialed up to eleven. Um, the original trilogy would be an amazing series. Uh, the new game won me from the, the moment they announced they were going to switch it up and go with the Norse mythology. I was just like, shut up and take my money. Just take it now. Um, and it's an amazing game. Um, but it's so, so, such vast potential for, for stories there with, uh, with Kratos and the whole God of War story. So there you go. That's my, that's my pick. I'd watch, it a, I'd watch a Kratos movie in a heartbeat. I think it would be if done, and I know we always say this, uh, but if done correctly and staying true to the source, I think it could be and that's awesome. That's why I think it, don't do it as a movie, do it as an animated series on Netflix. So uh, it's going to be, even if you do it live action, it's going to be all CGI anyway. So just skip the middleman and do an anime um, and, and do it on a streaming service where you don't have to worry about language and gore and violence and stuff like that, where you can be true to the God of War experience. So yeah, whatever team did um, Castlevania should absolutely do God of War as their next series. I can agree with that completely because have, did they release the second part of that Not Castlevania yet. series? By the way, animation what? takes a long Still? time. Yeah, I figured that that would have been out like a while ago. I think it's coming out this year, but it's not out yet. So before the before they can do something else, they need to finish. Yeah, Castlevania. At the time of this recording, Dick Cheney's alive and the second half of the Castlevania series on I did that literally just to get a laugh out of Obi-John. That's literally the only reason. Uh, my uh, my choice is something I'm going to keep harping on until I get it. Um, that seems unlikely. Yeah, I know. Uh, Invincible. <laughs> I, oh, yes. I'll oh, say... Yes. I'll, I'll, yeah, man, we've heard that before. I feel like I've been hearing about an Invincible movie or TV show for like 10 years. Um, Great yeah, point. I just, the story of Mark Grayson, albeit, you know, it might just be a, especially the first few uh, issues, might be a loose retelling of, you know, Superman or whatever. I just, I, 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 I need that in my life. I desperately want that in my life. Yeah, I cannot literally 
physically cannot agree <laughs> more with you. I tried. It doesn't work. Hey, the boys is finally shooting now, so <laughs> there may be hope for Invincible after all. Yeah. We'll see. And uh, Robert Kirkman doesn't have enough nah. money, so. No. Planning and what you got. Hey, so um, you guys like Starship Troopers, right? Duh. Mm-hmm. But uh, the last couple Starship Troopers movies haven't been that Correct. good. more than one? <laughs> those those uh, in-name only Starship Troopers. So maybe that same kind of story framework could work with a new license. I am, of course, referring to Marcus Phoenix and... I'm Kings in. Of I'm 100% in. Will there be Casper and or his Van Dien? Uh, I, I would honestly uh, probably use Dave Batista. Okay. Oh my God! Yes, Dave Batista as Marcus Phoenix. Shut up and take my money. I know that's like a cliche now. And, and the thing but... is, that literally just came to me because I was like thinking about it. I was like live action Dave Batista. Yeah, that could be the the vehicle that takes him from where he is now, which is already a really solid footing, to the next level. And legitimately put him ahead of The Rock, which as much as that hurts me to say, because you know I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It would have to be, I feel like it would have to be a series rather than a movie, because that's too much story to tell in a movie. But good Lord, give me a Gears of War something. That's all I want. I mean, and... Gears of War 3, I wasted so you, much of you, my life. You could honestly combine 3. 1 and 2 into Season 1 and have, you know, the first half being like he gets out of jail, he starts doing his thing, blah, blah, blah. And then they're looking for Dom's wife, and you get that soul-crushing yeah. ending. I mean, just incredible. And, you know, when uh, in 2016... It was rumored as far back then, and Universal was ready to go, and they had a script writer, and they were in, they were, you know, at the final stages of pre-production, and that's literally the last we've heard of it. So, it's one of those that's been, and I'm going to use air quotes, in development for so long, with zero traction anywhere, so, um, yeah... Uh, it's one of those, I'll believe it when I'm sitting in the theater watching it, or, you know, I fire up Netflix and it's on there, or wherever, because I don't think it's really going to happen, but how great would it be? That would be pretty fucking tight. Yeah. Good call on David. Thank you, man. I never even Uh, thought about that until as soon as you said it. I didn't until you said, until you were talking about it. It, it, (laughs) Like, I swear to God, it never crossed my mind before. That is why we're a great team. Nice. Now enough with the circle jerk, Scott. <laughs> what can I yell at, yell at you about now? <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'll come up with something. Me and my weird eclectic likes. So for my next ones, I went to another book series. Uh, um, specifically the Dresden Files, which is up to 15 novels now waiting for book 16 if it's coming out. I don't even know it's coming out, but 
the last one came out in 2014, so hopefully he's working on another one. Um, and I know there may be some people out there that, that have said, but we've already seen Dresden on screen. They had There was a very short-lived television show. Yes, there was, but we got only, like, Dresden and one other character, like all the rest of the characters in it um, were were not in the series because of licensing and everything else like that. So specifically the characters that I want to see, uh, and I hope they do movies because the, the author uh, of the, the books, uh, Jim Butcher, is, is counting down the days till the rights revert back to him uh, and he can move forward with, with movies, is um, uh, in the books there is a, a character – called Michael Carpenter. Uh, he's in several of the novels, and you find out that he is a Knight of the Cross. There are three of them, and each of them wields swords, which, incorporated into the hilt, is one of the nails uh, used to crucify Christ. And their entire purpose for existence is to fight um, the Order of the Black Denarius, which is the 30 pieces of silver used to pay Judas uh, for betraying Christ. And each one of them has a demon from hell bound to it. And when you when you become in, come into possession of one of the coins, um, um, the, the demon possesses you and slowly, very slowly, through subtle influences over your character, will corrupt your soul and your entire persona, uh, you know, uh, uh, persona uh, and just just uh, make you a very black and evil person. Uh, but keep you alive. I mean, there is an upside. You're, you're damn near immortal. Um, but uh, yeah, I really, really want to see Michael Carpenter and the Knights of the Cross uh, realized on screen because I love those characters. You had me at Magic Sword. So. <laughs> Magic swords. There's three of them. Even better. So, yes, my second pick. No, that's a that's a book series I I've kind of gotten into, and and I remember the show, and people telling me not to watch it. So, yeah, yeah, no, don't watch it. Yeah. Uh, other other than um, uh, the actor from the Flash that I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, being Harry Dresden, that that's you mean about Arrow. That. I'm sorry, Arrow. Yes, not Flash. Arrow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than him being Flash, uh, he, he, or him being Flash. My <laughs> God, my brain is just shut down in it. <laughs> what is happening? Other than him right being now? Harry Dresden, which I think he did a decent job as Harry Dresden, uh, even though he's not technically tall enough. But yeah, Quentin Lance on Arrow played Dresden yes. in the uh, the short-lived series. So, can I yeah. can I say it? Have you seen the Have you seen the news about uh, where where he he? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm I'm yeah. I watched the season finale. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He may be available in the near future. <clears throat> He's gonna have a little bit of All right. in his hands. Maybe. Well, Maybe? I I tell you what the uh, um. Uh, the audiobook series for that is uh, read by um, uh, oh the actor that played Spike uh, in Buffy and uh, Angel. James Marsters. Yes, and he does a phenomenal job. Spike would... sucks. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Whose turn is it? Yours. Oh shit. Okay. 
Um, yep, so there's a character. The, I'm going back to video games again. Um, the Destiny series, uh, fantastic gameplay, so-so story. Um, they kind of improved the story with the, the second game, and, and at least how they delivered the story to you. Um, I don't really care about seeing a Destiny movie, but there's one character specifically from Destiny who absolutely needs to get either his own movie or his own cartoon or something. I'm talking about the leader of the Hunters, Cade Six, voiced by everyone's favorite actor from Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place, Nathan Fillion. Oh, Richard Ricoult. Oh, Ryan Ren. No, wait, that's not right. Uh, no. Oh, trailer. How- Cade oh. Six is a, as you would expect, because he's voiced by Nathan Fillion, a wisecracking. Uh, uh, self-deprecating humor, uh, just a hilarious character. He's a he's a robot, uh, badass who goes around kicking ass, taking names, and cracking jokes. Uh, he is the saving grace of Destiny, um, and he needs a project. Uh, to uh, he, he's 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 ready for prime time. He's ready for his close. Uh, but put a Cade Six in it. I'll play anything. Yeah, fair enough. Love Cade Six. Great character. That part in two where he gets caught in the uh, the the teleport loop. <laughs> don't have time to explain. Didn't you just hear me say I don't have time to explain? <laughs> okay. Love it. That's all I can. I support that. I support Nathan Fillion. In general. Yeah. Don't we all though? Uh, I think we should. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, got I got one more as well. More. Okay. I got one more, and it's uh, it's my second turn. So let's do this. Do it. Um, I've I've I I believe I actually pitched my first one and my second one as a crossover comic. I would really like to read done by Image. Uh, which, you know, a throwback to a few weeks ago, I, I think. And I would, I, I really think it would lend itself well to a TV series style show. Uh, I'm talking about Chew by John Lehman and Rob Gilroy. The main character is Tony Chu, who anything he eats, he can see like the path of it. So he doesn't eat meat he doesn't eat anything he i think the only thing he eats is beets because they're the only thing that like even if he eats a salad he can like see the let like see things from the lettuce's perspective all being like chopped up and served and all that uh so he gets hired by the fbi to be a to help them solve murders by literally going to the dead bodies and taking bites out of the corpses oh it's just disgusting yeah, oh. it's awesome. Uh, Flanagan, your boy CM Punk, uh, was helped when he did the uh Thor annual by the Chew artist Rob Gilroy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Love it. You mean my best friend in the world? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Right. Um, yeah. Um, all right. I got one. One more. It's a video game. It was rumored for a long time that it was going to be a movie. Thank goodness it didn't come out the way that they had p- 
planned because Nicolas Cage was attached. And I'm going to go ahead and say he was attached to play Sweet Tooth. Oh, God. Thank goodness this didn't happen, but I would love to see a Twisted Metal movie. See, I, I would even take it one step further and say, again, TV series and literally each episode focuses on one of the different racers or characters. Yeah, you could do it like Mortal Kombat Legacy uh, ish in a way where like each one takes uh, a different look at a different driver. Um, yeah, there's so many crazy characters in the Twisted Metal series. It's you could have so much, you could have seasons and seasons of it. And it crazily enough. Awesome. Oh, go ahead. And then now I was going to say, uh, then. The, the 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 last punchline is like the last driver that you get to know is just a a guy who just like got stuck in this race like in this demolition derby for his life. It's if very I'm from like, Duel. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 David Mann from <laughs> Duel, and he's just like, how the hell did I end up here? Strangely enough, I almost mentioned uh, Sweet Tooth in the um, Easter eggs thing. Because he was an unlockable character in Destroy All Monsters. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Twisted Metal. Uh, Twisted Metal 2, probably my favorite PlayStation 1 game of all time. Just amazingly fun game. And um, I, I mean, I, I spent so many hours playing Twisted Metal 2. I would love to see it. On the big screen or even yeah. on the little screen, um, with all of the different locations they have, oh, it would be so awesome. And all the car explosions? Are you? Hell yeah! Me? Michael Bay's Wet Dream. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what that movie is. How many lens flares can I have? I don't know what his voice sounds like. So Nailed I it. Made something up. Yeah. Nailed it. Commander Scott. Yeah, one more pick for characters that I would like to see. I'm going to go, once again, I'm going to go outside the box here because you know how much I like to go outside the box on on things Um, because these are characters that actually have been realized on screen, live action. However, they have not been in a movie or television show. Specifically, I want to see them in a movie. Okay. Okay. Kind of lost me, but let's uh-huh. go. I know. How many people here know, like, whatever Toby Keith? Nope. We know Toby. Do, do I know, know who Toby Keith uh, is, but I don't you, like him. That's no. fine. That's fine. You don't have to like him. Anyway, he did a song called "Beer for My Horses." It was a, a, a duet. It was a duet with, with Willie Nelson. I like country music. Sorry. Um, okay. I it should be. <laughs> the music... <laughs> hang on. Strike so the music video for this, this, this song has Toby Keith as a uh, plainclothes detective uh, in, in, a, in a, a large city. His partner is played by Corin Nemec, and they are currently tracking. They're on the case of a serial rapist that targets prostitutes, and they can't catch him. So 
at Corin Nemec's insistence, uh, Toby Keith goes to his uh, estranged father, played by Willie Nelson, who is a retired profiler for the Texas Rangers. They like yeah. the baseball team. Um, oh, so over the course of you know through the song and everything else like that, they 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 have quite a bit of whiskey and they they sit down, they profile their suspect, and they they figure out the only way to catch him is they have Corin Nemec goes undercover as a prostitute. Um, it's 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 a great story for a music video. I love it. They eventually did do a movie for beer for my horses, but it was God awful. And it was, it was, it was Toby Keith playing a small town sheriff in a border town on Mexico. And his deputy was played by Rodney Carrington. And it was, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was, it sounds like what my, voice it's, 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 gross. it's, it's, it's shitty, but the, the, the music video has great characters, great story and great writing. And I've always wanted to see those characters, brought to the big screen even that story i would see that that exact story just just expanded into a movie and i I have always wanted to see it and i still want to see it so that is my third pick okay (laughs) (laughs) what way to go outside the box yeah you really did go out you weren't lying when you said no one saw that coming no, absolutely not. Hey, you know the <laughs> music video? Yep. Love it. Uh, I want to see it. Okay, so my favorite thing, uh, country music related, I'll make this really, really quick, is um, uh, when I used to work for a big box retailer that will not be named here, uh, all of the CDs, you know, they had like the, the person's name. And it was last name, comma, first name, and everything was, all of the, the letters were uh, capital. So uh, what we would do every time when we made the uh, the because all the music is set by an outside company, like they'll come in and they'll re- replace all the signs and stuff that are damaged, and uh, put in the new music, take out the old music. You know the employees never touch that. So uh, what we would always do is uh, there's a country musician named uh, Clint Black. <laughs> and what we would always do is on the sign connect the L and the I to make a U. <laughs> <laughs> and and she's seriously like the woman who was in charge of the music would get pissed at the the quote unquote kids that would come in and deface the sign because she brought in at least thirty of those signs that we just kept connecting the L and the I to make a U. Those damn wow. kids. I know, right? We would always be like, oh, did they do it again? Man. Oh, just, oh, it's a family store. I just, I can't believe that. Damn. Uh, some people. That's wrong. So there you go. There's your way, Homer. <sighs> Obi John, oh, take God. us home. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I guess we're home. That was good. Obi John, take us home. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> I guess we're done here. Oh man. So with that, that brings another episode of Talk Dirty to Me to a close. I suppose. Horses. I guess. I don't Beer know. for my horses. <laughs> so we end as we always do with a country music reference. <laughs> 
I am now very oh, proud of myself. Oh, jeez. Let me ask you a question. Hey, Scott, no, okay. I'm not even going to do that. I'm not even going to. Because we're, we're so big on country music on this podcast. Hey, Coron, what's your favorite Toby Keith song? <laughs> Oh, did he's got the I, lung butter. Did I kill Koran? I'm sorry. Oh my God. He's got the lung butter. I oh fucking God. hate that guy so much. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. Obi John, yes. Obi, do me a favor. And let's just uh, stick a fork in this one because we're about done. Uh, reach to your left, I guess. I'm uh, padding for time while I turn up the volume. Okay. Do me a favor, reach to your left, grab your favorite Toby Keith song, mm-hmm. whatever it is, on single. It's the LP, actually. <laughs> oh, is this? Vinyl sounds better. Yeah, well, it's true. Um, it masks the suck. <laughs> and throw it in the air like you just don't care, just like Mary Tyler Moore, because, my friend... again. Sammy Davis Jr. saying, uh, be kind, be nice, and I hope the next performer has the pleasure of having as nice an audience as you've been tonight. And let me leave you swinging. <laughs>